Hello and welcome to the Yerky Boys. May the Candrona shine and strengthen you. My name is Will. My name is Jonathan. And we are the, the Yerky, Yerky Boys. Boys. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think we're getting better. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think so yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Doing, yeah. Book 13, The Change, everyone. Yeah! Yeah, yeah. Our second Tobias book. Our second Tobias book. Mm-hmm. This, uh, you know how sometimes we talk about the titles of the books and how they don't mean anything? Yeah. I, I did I did like that in this book, there's a key scene where Tobias hits up 7-Eleven and uh, he pays $8 for something that costs seven fifty. Mm-hmm. And they don't give him his two quarters back. And that's sort well, of the crux tax. of the book. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think you're being unfair to you're, the shopkeeper. Like, like Tobias. You're, yeah, I mean, this is something was, we're going to get into when that yeah, scene comes up. He was a bit of a dick about it. But yeah, that that is the titular change. Like, it wasn't entirely... I know food isn't taxable, but it wasn't... It, anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. Titular Tobias. What do you think about that? I think it's pretty good. That's a good name for a spinoff starring Tobias. Yeah. <laughs> Titular Tobias. <laughs> we have plenty of time today, so we can we're, we're, we can totally afford to fuck around like this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're doing good. We're not worried um, about anything. There's something, before we get to the book, there's a little bit of uh, pre-book business, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you yeah, have yeah. any other pre-book business. I don't. This this is it. Okay. So pre-book business. It's time for a spe- our special recurring segment, the sharing. <laughs> oh yeah. This is it's recurring for sure. It's happened before multiple times. The sharing. Twice? That's the jingle. Yeah, we need a bump. Now, this is when we read emails and or tweets from our listening public. And this week, we have a listener email that comes in from Holy Spiritum, who, full disclosure, is a person we know in real life. Yeah, we we, we so far have not gotten any contact from anyone we don't know. But we're we're using their 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 handle, their their internet handle to protect their identity. <laughs> right. I guess. Now, is this ha- we have, yeah, oh no, we did have one tweet from someone we don't know in real life, so we're at least we have that. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, I remember. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No one needs to hear this. Just skip ahead 20 minutes. We'll start talking about the book, but um, No, I need to hear this email. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is for the listeners. We're going to hear it. Okay, uh, okay. But this is an important question, and it does kind of uh, tie in a little bit to the last book and some before that when we have been talking about the nature of yurks and morphing and how some of that stuff works. Mm-hmm. This is a yurk science question that maybe you'll be able to answer. Oh, maybe. The question is, can a yurk cause its host to have a fatal stroke and survive its host's death. You know, could a yerk, I guess it's kind of a two-part question here. Could a yerk incite a stroke in its host? Uh, and then would the yerk also die along with the host, or would it survive? 
I don't see any physical reason that it couldn't incite a stroke, but I do see narrative reasons in that we will see scenes in which Yorks kill their hosts, and they don't do it like that. They get their hosts to kill to basically commit suicide and then escape after it's too late to save them, but before they're dead. Hmm. Well, I was gonna say, I don't. What is the? Are we asking if a Yurk can just think its host to death? <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Or, like, maybe since they're physically in the brain, you know, wrapped around it and stuff, maybe they could wrap themselves around a a blood vessel and choke it off or something. Mm. Like, they are, like, there, right? Yeah, that's, I guess that's true. But they're also, they're invertebrates. Like, they don't have, (laughs) like, they don't have muscles. They can't. (laughs) This is relevant to a question I'm going to have later in this book, which is what what exactly does this look like when it's in a brain? Right? Yeah, we need a diagram of that. Yeah, it's not clear to me what... Because they, like, sort of, you know, it's it's described as they, like, sort of, like, liquefy their bodies and ooze into the cracks or something. I'm not sure. But, like, what does that... It's hard like, to tell physically... how much of that is metaphorical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, the exact mechanics of it are a mystery. Now, uh, putting aside whether or not the yerk could cause it, if the if if I had a stroke, would the yerk in my head die? Or, I think we've talked about this. I think I think we said I don't remember what we said. It could get out. Like the host yeah, I mean, death doesn't kill the yerk, right? Uh, host death, I believe, can kill the yerk, but they have some time to get out. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Like, like generally speaking, when you when you see like uh hosts die or something the yurks are like scrambling to get out of their brains but i'm not really sure exactly why that's necessary like it 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 feels kind of like if you die in the game you die in real life sort of scenario that uh you know why does this happen kind yeah, of like thing. a yurk doesn't it's not like a yurk will just die if it's outside of a host right yeah yeah, so. and it's not it's not in anything living then. It's just like sitting on the sidewalk or whatever. So maybe maybe we'll uncover this more later in the series. Perhaps it will become clear to us. <laughs> yeah, these will be details that we'll keep an eye out for um because I like I said I I didn't you know, I've I've always had the impression that the Yurks do if a Yurks host dies, they die and but they have some time to escape. Like they got like 30 seconds a minute or something. And so they're always running to get out. Um, But, you know, it doesn't make sense. And maybe that impression comes from being a kid and just not really understanding what was happening. Uh, And I just never updated it because I never thought about it. Well, we're going to think about it now, goddammit. We sure are. (laughs) Well, thanks for that email. Uh, This has been The Sharing. Yeah, and, and, and we apologize not for getting to it earlier, uh, that it actually came in while we were recording last week. So this listen, could have been, if we had been a little late to start like we are today, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe. That's a risk that you take when you write an email to us. You just got to be aware of the risks. You never know. You don't need to apologize. We call the shots here. So maybe we won't even read your fucking email. Fuck you. <laughs> Well, we, we love will. it if you send an email in to our address, which is theyerkyboys at gmail.com. Okay. That's the sharing. That's our sharing. Now well, it's shared. Now we can now we can share our thoughts and opinions on book 13, The Change. Yeah. Um, 
Let's start with our cover here. Uh, <laughs> Let's start with we it. Got, we got Tobias with his arms kind of askew in an awkward position. Uh, <laughs> I love how they always... We, you gotta move your arms to look like the animal before you morph. <laughs> yeah, now he's not quite full T-pose. You know, he goes into a bird with his wings spread all the way, but he doesn't start full t I think if, if a zoomer had designed this, he'd be T-posing. <laughs> Maybe he'd be dabbing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he could be like a dabbing i don't know what a bird would look like dabbing but. god i would love to see tobias dab i'd love to see axe dab oh shit yeah <laughs> andalite <laughs> dabbing sounds really good <laughs> yeah 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 now these uh like i don't i, I want to say second or third transition but it's actually the third or fourth because I'm, I'm used to going from human to animal but in this case we're going from <laughs> animal to human right um, I like, I like those ones in particular cause they, they sort of remind me of the Rito, the bird species from the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom games. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I not... could have gone with like Halucha or something from Pokemon. No, we had enough That's Pokemon That's a Haluchador. <laughs> no. No, I, I, I do think this this middle one is sort of like an iconic middle face to me when I think of like the weird middle face Animorphs. Yeah. Now, it is funny. So I don't know how much of this we don't want to get into right up top, but this is the second Tobias book. And as as we know, as is known at the start of this uh, reading this book, Tobias is only a hawk. <laughs> Right. And the other book he was in was him turning into a hawk. <laughs> so at this point, you're questioning, is every Tobias book going to be him turning into a hawk? <laughs> um, are they just going to like switch up the angle, the direction of it a little bit or something? Right. Yeah. How many bird poses can they get? <laughs> I don't know. The, the primary yeah. difference on this one is the bird pose is completely different than the first time. And it's going in reverse order, right? It's bird to boy. Yeah, I guess that's true. But since, I mean... How do you know where it started, I guess? (laughs) Yeah, it is in reverse order. And I guess you could probably tell. But, like, I just... I don't think I would even register. (laughs) I'd just be like, yeah, bird and boy. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess that's... Yeah, if you look at it close, and especially if you see the inside cover... It is a little revealing about what you might expect to happen in this book, although not maybe in the way you think. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, the the inside, we will have to talk about near the end. I don't want to talk about it in too much detail Ooh. now because I do think it's a little bit revealing. Oh, well, <laughs> so, so you don't even want to say what it is. I mean, we can, if you want to say what it is, you can, but uh, I like, just we can go like over it now if you want. Most people listening to this have either read the book or like they, you know, they. Mm. if you had read this in real life, you would see that picture, right? No, That's I true. didn't. That's true. I didn't. I, cause in the yeah, ebook, I, I know you didn't. That's why I was kind of excited here. Um, uh, but well, I mean, I mainly wanted to say that there's a, there's a picture of a cat on his, on Tobias's bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that. I have that written down here. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, well, well, let's do the inside. This is what you would have seen if you were a kid, uh, on, on the front, you've got this quote, be afraid, dot, 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 dot. I don't 
know what that's about. <laughs> that, that's not, there's nothing but, about fear. I don't know what that is referring to other than just generally yurks are scary. Yeah, yeah, they sure are. But if you were to open the first cover here, um, it would it would say, it was only a dream, or was it? Uh, and then there'd be a little blurb <laughs> from the book in here. Uh, and then we have this picture of Tobias the boy uh, sitting in like a human bedroom looking at uh, Tobias, presumably Tobias the bird. I don't know what other red tail hawk there's going to be sitting on his dresser and they're looking at each other. It is confusing. It is a bit <laughs> confusing. Yeah, if you if, if it's not clear what that means, then good, you weren't spoiled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if I just opened that up, I would really... I mean, there's no way you're going to predict what it actually is, I don't think. Like, it's, I yeah. mean, like, what, like, how this scene occurs, <laughs> and in what way. Yeah, you, that's fair. It's not going to, you're not going to know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And it's very possible that it, you could read this and just be like, oh, that's like a, maybe it's a metaphorical thing about the inner nature of Tobias or something. Um, although I think up to this point, all the inside yeah. covers have been actual scenes. Well, yeah. And there's, yeah. there is a little bit of that sort of thing in the book as well. So yeah, yeah, sure. His, I just, also his bookshelf has a basketball <laughs> on it mm -hmm. along with about seven books <laughs> and two, two photo framed photos. One of which is a cat. I don't know if we know Tobias's cat's name or if that's oh, a, his. His cat's name is Dude. Oh, oh, Dude was his cat? Oh, that's right, because yeah. that was his other morph. Right, right. Yeah, Fluffer McKitty was Melissa's right. cat. Right. I couldn't remember whose cat Dude was. Oh, now that's good. I like that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, do you, yeah, yeah. there's a bit of trivia about the cat in that picture. Oh, my God. Tell me. Oh, did do you not know that this is, this is on, this is one of the bits of trivia I pulled from Serapedia. No, for this I didn't episode. see this. Oh, oh. That cat is actually illustrator David Mattingly's cat, Orson, and he, wow. he drew him in in place of dude. Wow, Orson. <laughs> yeah, that's Orson, the, the real-life cat, Orson. Orson is a great name for a cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. You think he's named after um, the pig from Garfield or, like, Orson Welles? Yeah, it's one of, it's, it is one of those. <laughs> it is one of those. I think I yeah. named, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to bring up Pokemon again, but I feel like I named like an, an Ursa ring Orson because isn't like Orson is like a bear or it's like, is it? it's, no, well, I don't know. I don't know if it is, but isn't like, could be. I, I feel like, like Ursa major is like the bear star, isn't it? Like, or yeah. Orse kind of sounds like, I think that might be it the. Does etymology of it or it just sounds like it i don't that, know it wouldn't shock me naming people bear is like a thing that happened and orse does sound like urse so yeah 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 i don't know what does you Orson heard it mean? here first though yes, folks it, orson yes. means bear french and latin origins meaning bear cub oh yeah yeah you were onto something i think i remember this because one time i played an rpg this is i shouldn't be this is not this is not <laughs> no, you, relevant you to anything. Should be. We're just gonna have our first three-hour episode. It's okay. What? I, I did a one-shot RPG <laughs> one time that was like where I played a, a guy who I basically wanted to be um, Mulder. That was sort of my. It was just a, a Mulder stand-in from X Files, right. 
and I named him Orson Creed. Oh, that's a good name. And I remember oh, this man because, you know, he's Fox Mulder. So Orson was kind of like a bear instead of a yeah. fox. And Creed is like a belief. And, you know, Mulder wants to believe. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my. That's good, though. Even without knowing yeah. where that's coming from, that sounds like a paranormal investigator from the 90s. Yeah. Orson Creed. That's yeah. just who that yeah. is. Yeah. Pretty great. Stay tuned for my new webcomic, The Adventures of Orson Creed. Oh, I'm hyped for it. All right. So anyway, it's uh, a great picture. There's another piece of trivia about this picture, also on Seropedia, though. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We need to talk yeah. on this. Uh, one of these books, and I cannot tell by looking... Maybe my vision is too bad, but it says one of these books on the bookshelf here is David Mattingly's book, The Art of <laughs> David B. Mattingly. So Damn. Tobias has an art book by, I don't know which one it is. Hmm. Presumably is some... somebody figured it out. So this is some dark tower shit where. <laughs> oh, maybe it's, maybe it's just the, yeah, that's it. Right next to the picture of the cat, I think. Oh, is that a book? I thought that was another photo. Yeah, I thought it was too, but now I'm I'm looking at it. I think that might be the art book. Yeah, that the makes art sense. Of David B. Mattingly. This is some Dark Tower shit. Yeah, when do they meet K.A. Applegate? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Animorphs is canon to the Dark Tower universe. That's, That's how Dark Tower yeah. works. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Now, he's also got a hat here uh, on the bedpost because uh, do we know what sports team that is it looks like there's a visible logo on it i want to say that i see an a and a t maybe or something could or be maybe it's just a generic thing sports guys look at this picture and write in and tell us what uh, team that is uh yeah i don't know i don't know i just googled sports logo <laughs> <laughs> you think that'll come up with anything Oh, yeah. Well, maybe if you put Tobias after it, then you'll get it. Yeah. That. Oh, you know what? Yeah, it just came up. It's the Yankees. <laughs> that could be, it could be the Angels. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yankees is the wrong coast. <laughs> <laughs> that's my guess. That's my guess. That's my guest? Oh, Christ. All right. <laughs> be our guess. Be our guess. Okay, so I think we've officially covered the inside cover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot on this inside cover. This this segment, by the way, is called Covering the Cover. Oh, that's a good name for this segment. Or maybe it's just called Cover Cover. <laughs> yeah. The cover cover. You'll be happy to know that the uh the dedication is just for Michael, so we don't have to talk about that. Thank God we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, sorry. I did have one other thing I want to say about the inside oh, cover. Yes, please. <laughs> I just wanted to say, uh, you know, of course we see, as always, Tobias's famous dirty blonde hair. <laughs> right, right. The dirtiest fucking blonde hair ever known to man. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> that is dark brown. <laughs> <laughs> there's like, you could maybe say, oh, there's some shades of lighter <laughs> brown in there that could be blonde if you're being really generous. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of had dirty blonde hair when I was uh, when I was like eight, and now I do not. Now I have brown hair, but my hair is still yeah. more blonde than this model's. But now you just have your hair is still dirty. It's just not blonde anymore. Right, right. <laughs> All right, I'm ready to move on. Okay. It's even in the even in the, the inside cover. By the way, they they yeah. describe it. They do. Uh, Dirty blonde head lying on the pillow. Is that from the book, or is that yeah. just? Uh, oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. This this is a little blurb from the book. Like like, don't they look at that and look back and go, uh, uh, not quite what it says is, but just print it. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, she changed so many other things over the course. Of the, why couldn't she have just been like, his hair's brown? Okay, I know it says blonde in book one, but like, it's fine. <laughs> No, no, one cares. no, no. She wasn't wrong. It's just dirty blonde. That's all. <laughs> she was wrong about so many things. She clearly does not care about changing her mind. On this point, there will be no budging. Uh... All right. All right. All right. All right. So, okay. 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 So Stay tuned for part two next week when we get into <laughs> chapter one. Yeah. Uh, in chapter one, I'll start it now, but we'll we'll split it up so the viewers don't have too much to, to listen yes. to at once. We'll release right. the next part. Yeah. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we start off, we get Tobias is doing his thing as a hawk. He's like flying around. He hunts a mouse, whatever. Uh, he flies over to the school. And, you know, he's, like, looking at all the other Animorphs through the windows, so we get to see, like, Jake and Cassie Marco in class, whatever. Um, he sees Rachel walking to the gym, and uh, she has in her, like, binder, notebook, whatever, uh, she has, uh, like, an award. She has a Packard Foundation Outstanding Student Award, which she has not told Tobias that she has won this thing. Uh, and it says there's going to be a ceremony for her receiving it uh, on, like, the following Monday, which she didn't tell him about. And he feels kind of like, oh, it's awkward because I can't come and she doesn't want me to feel bad. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, he invites her to come out flying with him after school. And they're going around looking for entrances to, well, not looking for, Tobias has been looking for entrances to the York pool, right? That's what he's been doing mm -hmm. with his time. Uh, and so he's going to show her what he's found, uh, which is that there's one at the car wash. Um, but he, when he's trying to take her to the car wash, he gets kind of lost and, uh, like spaces out and he ends up flying out, out toward the mountains and he's all embarrassed about this. And he's like, all right, now we're, I'll, I'll head us back. So he starts heading her, heading her back toward the car wash and they end up back out in the mountains again. And they're like... What the heck is going on? Why are we out here when we weren't flying here? Um, and that's when they see this tree like slide over and a hole opens in the ground and some hork come out. So that's a lot. This, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. But most of what happens is just them flying around. Right. We don't really get our intro scene in this one the way we mm. would where they have like a little mini adventure. Like the opening yeah. adventure to this is like the plot. You know, that's true. That's true. In fact, I'm just going to say it right now at this at the top. Mm -hmm. Kind of a kind of a closing thought, but I'm going to make it an opening sure. thought. I think this book might be the best paced 
so far of all the books. I in think terms that's reasonable. Of, yeah, nothing. It, the ending doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel like they don't get to the plot until sixty percent of the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, it all, it all flows really well, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of the one thing that I was finding when I was breaking this this apart is that I very rarely had the problem that I sometimes have, where it's like, and then the plot gets interrupted with a scene where they sit at their house and have dinner. Uh, and I need to talk about it because they did a bunch of, they said a bunch of dumb stuff here, but it's not, it doesn't flow well with everything else. And I don't know if this section's going to take two minutes to get through or 15 minutes. And I guess it's here. Like that didn't happen much here. Every time I broke a small chunk away for its own section, I was like, that's because it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. I think that so far now this is based on a small sample size, but I think the Tobias books are just better written than the other books. And I I kind of like that. I, I, I feel like it's in character. I think Tobias just has the soul of a poet. <laughs> he's just a mm. – I think he's smarter than the other Animorphs and more introspective and <laughs> – well, he's got nothing yeah. to do but fly around and, like, think about shit all day. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I do think that it is generally true that Tobias books tend to be some of the better ones for their respective place in the series. Right, like there are going to be parts where the series just kind of gets like drags, but the Tobias books are always kind of a highlight of those sections. Yeah. Now, now speaking of Animorphs and how smart they are, mm-hmm. can you explain to me when Rachel became a, a genius or whatever? Last, last book when she was still getting straight A's. <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't shouldn't this be Cassie's character trait? Like, she's the nerd. Why yeah, is but she was Ra- only getting B Bs and B pluses, <laughs> and she almost she almost got a D that one time. <laughs> I guess it is. I mean, it's interesting that Rachel is all these. You know, she's the supermodel and the firecracker and the genius. <laughs> yeah, listen, right? Yeah, no, right? I I I do kind of. This is an underrepresented part of Rachel's character is that she's very academically gifted, but like it doesn't. I feel like it doesn't come up in the books because it's not relevant to her fighting. It's like she's <laughs> she's smart for like doing her tests and stuff, but like when it comes to real world things, she's too interested in just like slamming on the most reckless thing to do right now. She uses all of her intellect for uh sales at the mall. <laughs> right. I actually I kind of like it. I you know, I feel like I'm sure there's some, you know, some fucking incels out there. Who would get mad about <laughs> her being so perfect? Uh, but she's a Mary Sue, <laughs> right? But it does like Ray. I like that it. You know, it's not the stereotype of like the dumb blonde. Like she's a she. She loves shopping and she's really smart. <laughs> yeah. No, I I do kind of like Rachel's whole deal of just like she's just good at everything except that she is completely and totally out of control. Like, she's <laughs> yeah. goddamn psychotic. And if, if if she could just control herself, she'd be great. But she can't. It's like a tra- It's like a, a Greek tragedy, right? You know? Yeah, it is. It is a lot like a Greek tragedy, only I'd say better. Yes. Uh, less sad. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but this, I did wonder, you know, this, I don't, I don't know. This whole... Uh, academic award ceremony thing. Mm-hmm. What what 
kind of fucking nerd? These kids are 13. Are you really inviting your friends to come see you get an award for your good grades? <laughs> like, yeah, I would never. I was exactly the kind of kid who would have gotten this, not necessarily for, for my bragging. grades, but for other bullshit. I would never have invited anyone I knew to this. It's so weird to me that he's like so bummed out. He can't watch her get a stupid award in like the sixth grade or whatever. Just yeah, like. yeah, and she and she's like that. She's like that too. She's like, I feel so bad about, but I didn't want to tell him because he would feel left out, and I feel bad about leaving him out. And feels like it should have been her birthday party or something like that. Or I, I don't yeah. know. Or he or could have showed like, up. To that, though, they'd just do it outside and he'd land yeah. in a tree or something. Yeah, I don't know what it could be at, at the school, but maybe like, or or what if it was like she's performing in a in a gymnastics show or the school play or something that, yeah, that, that feels like a thing, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, she hates being watched in gymnastics, so, but like mm. the play, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, I, they needed to make sure you knew that she was a Packard Foundation outstanding student. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a Hewlett Packard Foundation. Yeah. I I did like that in contrast to the last book, it does seem like uh, uh, this bird does want to get fucked by Rachel. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, there's not that much still romance going on, though you can tell that Rachel cares about Tobias. But yes, he, he does obviously want to get fucked. It's still much subtler than Jake and, and Cassie, but I think that is because Rachel and Tobias are just so bad at being in touch with their feelings. Yeah. And yeah. There may also be some level of, like, it feels weird making goo-goo eyes at a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they are both very bad at being in touch with their feelings. They're not good. Yeah, both could be true. I did have another uh, a post theory for the last book too. Is that I thought maybe maybe she avoided the romance because so much of that book was about Rachel being horny for Jeremy Jason McCall that it, like maybe it would have mm. she didn't want readers to feel guilty like she was being unfaithful to Tobias or something. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, we just needed to see her little sketchbook where she was drawing Jeremy Jason McCall as a bird. Right. <laughs> You got this hidden away under her bre- under her bed. She's got Jordan a... finds it. She thinks she's gonna find some like lewd artwork, but it's just pictures of a bird guy, bird Harvey Birdman. It's, it's a magazine cutout, and she like taped in some wings, rock wings to him, <laughs> with little hearts drawn around and colored pencils, and that S everyone drew. Oh no, my sister's a weirdo. <laughs> it's worse than I thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything anything else about uh, them uh there's a bit of, there's a bit of trivia here. This is the la I think this is the last thing. No, I think there's one more thing. I pulled a couple things from Syropedia for this book. Mm-hmm. Um so Syropedia says Tobias mentions two controllers that they are aware of, a policewoman and a reporter. And he does, when he was talking about he's been following known controllers to find the these entrances to the York pool. He's been following a policewoman and a reporter. Seropedia says, these are the two controllers who Cassie overheard speaking with Chapman in Megamorphs 1, the Andalite's gift. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So glad we read that. Uh, it's exciting. Yeah, now we know. <laughs> now uh, we know. I'm also, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was also wondering because the 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 other thing that comes up here is he talks about thermal hopping, where he rides on one thermal to another to another. And I have to wonder: is this a real term for things that birds do, or something, or like paragliders <laughs> do? Or to Tobias just make up his own flying term? We go thermal hopping. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, canonically, it makes more sense that he made it up. Yeah, because I, again, I don't know that he's he's just waits by the library hoping someone will take out a book about birds so he can <laughs> read it over their shoulder. <laughs> but it's possible that Kay Applegate looked up a real term for educational purposes. I don't know. Could that be. one I'm not going to Google. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not, nor I. I'm not going to Google anything unless I do it before the show. <laughs> yeah, that's for the listeners to handle for us. Yeah, they'll tell us now that we're getting emails. Right. Now that the now that the letters are pouring in. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even keep up with them. Uh how uh did you have anything else to say about uh the flying here? I mean, I I guess I uh, it yeah. sort of comes into the next scene, but I did I'll just say that I was confused about Tobias getting lost and my my first theory was that there was some kind of Yerk technology that was sending out a signal that was maybe screwing with his Hawkdar. Mm. My other theory actually was that they were doing a like a reverse Valik where mm. <laughs> where the Valik was attracted to morphing energy. I had thought maybe the Yerk set up a trap that lures in anamorphs. They can detect yeah. morphers and it like makes them always come back here like ants or something. <laughs> Ooh, that's interesting because that's much more sci-fi because the first thing you described, I was thinking like like how some animals can like determine magnetic north or something in order to oh. migrate. Oh, yeah, maybe they have a strong magnetic field because of their crazy yerk tech. But yeah, the second, I like the second thing you did because then she can make up some crazy bullshit stuff that uh, doesn't make <laughs> sense and give it a weird name. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be a good book. That would be a good one. I'll write that fanfic if that doesn't happen later. There's a couple of good fanfics in this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll get to them. <clears throat> well, uh, so... Out, out of the hole, there come two horses. Time for scene two, everyone. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, we're only... Oh, my God. <laughs> Just check the time. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> there wasn't even an intro to this one. We just get right into the action. We're still all right. So there, there's two Hork-Bajir. They're coming out of the hole and they look scared. Um, and alarms start going off and the Hork-Bajir take off running. And a whole bunch of human controllers with machine guns and dirt bikes all come out and take off after them. Um, and uh, Tobias uh, and Rachel decide they're they're going to help these Hork-Bajir. Uh, so Tobias is talking to them and with thought speech, he's talking directly to them and trying to guide them to safety um and the he's trying to guide him but the instructions are like too complicated because it turns out hork bajir are kind of dumb uh so <laughs> he's like he's like all right all right time to fl play follow the big birdie and he flies low under the tree line so we get this crazy chase scene where he's like dodging in between trees and trying to lead the hork bajir while the motorcycle guys with guns are trying to cut him off um so 
you know, and then there's a, a point where where Rachel and Tobias have to like veer off and like claw some guy's eyes out. Big action sequence, right? Um, <clears throat> and they're trying to lead these Horkbajir to a stream so they can swim to safety. Um, <clears throat> they get cut off. Uh, one of the Horkbajir manages to jump over, you know, the trucks and uh, and get into the stream. The other Horkbajir is hit by a truck uh, and falls into a ditch. And they can't get this one away. Uh, and we find out that this one is the first Hark Bajir's Kalashi, or wife. Uh, <laughs> and he doesn't want to leave his Kalashi, uh, but they convince him, you got to go or else you're going to get captured. So they get the one Hark Bajir out of there and they hide him in a cave. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Now this is, a, I mean, this is a, this is a crazy thing that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of a big leap, you know, for, for the for Tobias and Rachel to say, "Hey, these things that up until this point, I mean, we know they have yurks in them, but up mm-hmm. until this point, they have done nothing but try to murder us every time we see them." Mm-hmm. They could have very easily just been like, you know, fuck these guys. <laughs> what do we? What do we care? <laughs> but I guess they, I mean, they they do the right thing, Spike Lee mm-hmm. style, and they. <laughs> go in there so that's that's good now uh, i i had another theory again we don't Uh really know what's going on here yeah my theory at the start of this which i also liked but isn't true Mm -hmm. is that the yurks were releasing the two hork bajir on purpose like uh, just for fun, to, for their form of fox hunting, kind of. Mm. <laughs> and they just, as a sport, they just let them run free and then hunt them down because they're cruel and bored. <laughs> but that does sound like something they do. Uh, we see examples of them doing things like uh, tying dissenters up and then, or like, oh, we can't infest this species, so we're going to tie them up and use them for target practice. But I don't mm. think, yeah, that, that that was not quite what they're doing here. It'd be a little too risky. I was going to say, what, they wouldn't, you know, they're in need of hosts. They wouldn't waste them. But Visser 3 kills a host six times a day, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, if if a, if a sub-Visser did it, oh, Visser 3 is going to have his head. But, you know, this is, Visser 3 is out there hunting, so it's fine. <laughs> I think there there is a point where, in the series, where they say, like, Every visor commits a hundred death penalty level offenses every single day in the course of doing their job. And the Council of 13 just doesn't give a shit uh, unless they decide they don't like you, in which case you're going to go to trial for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds right. I forgot yeah. about the Council of 13. <laughs> um, this yeah. scene kind of reminds me of uh, of speeder bike chases. Yeah. Return, Return uh, of the Jedi. Yeah, Tobias uh, explicitly says flying through the woods is it was like a video game. Quote yes, unquote. which has been yeah. I feel like in the first few books there were a lot of those comparisons to things being like a video game, <laughs> and mm-hmm. we, we haven't mm-hmm. had one in a while, so that was nice. Yeah, you know what else is like a video game here? The motorcycle guys coming at them. They got one driver and one guy on the back with a gun. That that remind you of any games? One remind driver. You of, uh, Mario Kart, maybe? <laughs> yeah, like Double Dash. Yeah. They yeah. got the item on the back, only you shooting a gun instead of shells or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That does remind <laughs> yeah. me of that. 
<laughs> Ooh, an Animorphs cart racer. Ooh, and like you're each one can you can morph into an animal as your special ability to race faster. <laughs> I think we've already tapped that with uh with like gorilla driving tiger. <laughs> gorilla driving tiger. Remember Marco was a gorilla and he was driving the car with Jake as the tiger in the backseat? Oh, like Saints Row, right? Yeah, uh, I, I think, I don't know that you're going to do better than that for your driving video game. <laughs> well, there, it'll all be in there. You'll have a lot of different options. Okay, okay. I, now, two questions. Yes. Two, two quick, quick questions. Uh, number one, what do you think it'd be like... If this just occurred, this doesn't really have anything to do with anything except that Rachel was in this scene and I, and you know, she usually morphs into a bear and she does, does she morph into a bear in this scene? Uh, not in this scene, but she will in this book. Okay. Well, just, I just wondered, uh, what would it be like if Rachel morphed into cocaine bear? Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. I mean, Rachel's already progressive enough. The answer is it wouldn't, it wouldn't be any different. Yeah, she well, she would morph into, but her bear wouldn't have gotten into the cocaine, but it wouldn't matter, right? For anyone listening to this 50 years from now, Cocaine Bear was a movie. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, Bear did cocaine. Society that's, has that's fallen. That's all you need to know. And you'll, it's probably lost. Maybe all movies, <laughs> no, no movies have exist anymore except Cocaine Bear. <laughs> In possible. either case, you'll figure it out. My other question was, do you think if uh, a hork was, let's say from Kazakhstan. Makarashi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you think they would say that? <laughs> Sounds like you do. I think I think they I would do. say that. <laughs> I do think they would say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. That's all uh, I had to say about this. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, well, this is my last uh, excerpt from Seropedia that I felt the need to throw in here. Okay. Uh, uh, it says, Tobias asks uh, the hork if he can swim, uh, which he confirms. However, in the message, Axe tells the Animorphs that hork cannot swim. I don't know if you remember that when they were dolphins mm. uh, in the message and the taxons could swim after them, but the hork couldn't. Or at least <laughs> Axe said they huh. couldn't and they didn't. Uh, Axe also stated in The Alien that hork were biological hardwired to fight amongst themselves every 62 years, a fact which was proven to be false, thereby making Axe's claims on hork physiology dubious. (laughs) (laughs) That little editorial is on the wiki. (laughs) Well, we know he's a bad student, so... Yeah, we do know he's a bad student, and he might be a little bit racist about hork (laughs) Oh, I mean, for sure. Well, what is what would stop a hork from being able to swim? It's not like genetically they, yeah. they they have arms and legs. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, if they were too dense, maybe then they wouldn't float. Uh, maybe if anything, it seems like taxons shouldn't be able to swim. Taxons are like super mobile; they can get around all over the place. Yeah, but I feel like they're all mushy. I feel like they might just dissolve in water. <laughs> 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 they're like made of cotton candy or something. I mean, to be fair, they they can swim, but like, you know, a tuna could probably kill one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That that's that's most of what I had to say about that. Uh, and I'm done with my Seropedia excerpts. Cool, cool. I have one more for later. Okay, good. 
yeah, I didn't want to be done yet. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so they got the one hork bajir in a cave, and the other one they lost. They don't know what happened to her. Um, so, we have our little barn scene, um, because all the Animorphs, they meet up at Cassie's barn, and they discuss what to do. Uh, they have what may well be the only free hork bajir in the whole world, because it, it seems like this hork bajir is free from the Yerks. In the whole universe. In the whole universe. <clears throat> Could well be. Um, Could well be. So they all decide, basically, uh, why don't, what are we going to do about this? Well, why don't we go back and ask the hork bajir what he wants to do? And uh, there's also some wondering about why was Tobias somewhere he didn't want to be. Um, so this is just, you know, our, our like transitional thing into uh, the plot, bringing the rest of the members in. Not a lot happens here other than just standard barn stuff. I don't know if there are any character moments we want to talk about, though, here. Well, I mean, I think that's this this in the barn when uh-huh. Marco has some pretty good... <laughs> he does. And, you know, last time I said we should do Marco jokes at the end, maybe, but I feel like he mostly only... Like, he makes some jokes here, and everywhere else he just makes a couple of, like, quips that don't make sense out of context, so maybe that was just a bad idea I had. Well, the idea was your favorite Marco joke. Sometimes there's not time for them, but I feel like it's, like, the only thing that is relevant in this scene. (laughs) Yeah, basically, other than some Tobias Bird stuff, but... (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll say the other relevant thing I thought was uh, someone mentioned Stephen Hawking, and Cassie asks who that is. So I was I was wondering, was Stephen Hawking not famous at this point? When did or, A Brief History of Time come out? I want to say it was like late 80s, I feel early like 90s, so he should have been. Yeah, I definitely read A Brief History of Time uh, like a few years before this came out. So, yeah, it was definitely around. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't. I thought that was weird that Cassidy goes, who? like, maybe that was just for kids at that time who maybe wouldn't yeah. know but yeah it, it gives because axe gets to explain that he's all like oh he's very brilliant um but he's wrong about some pretty significant things and he tries to <laughs> explain what stephen hawking is wrong about before jake cuts him off <laughs> which is funny but i feel like at least now stephen hawking is einstein level even if you don't know what who like who he is you he's just shorthand for a smart guy yeah yeah people know he's the smart guy yeah or a robot guy. <laughs> right. He's the smart guy who who is has what I, I don't I don't even remember what what uh condition he has, but he can't move. Those are the two things people know. He was too Black smart holes. to move. <laughs> when you reach like, a certain level of intellect, the rest of your you have to give something away to be that smart. I feel like that has literally become a trope where it's like we have to like make our smart character you know what I mean? Like making them somehow disabled makes them feel smarter because it makes them feel like Stephen Hawking. Right. <laughs> I feel like that's happened in popular culture because it's like how crazy hair used to mean with like Doc and Marty, right? Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. Back back with Einstein that gave the guy crazy hair because then he seems smarter. Yeah. Einstein was the name of Doc's dog. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So it all comes together. We all we go full full circle on this show. Full circle. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, oh, yeah, say it. Sorry, before we, I just really before we move on, I just had to say Stephen Hawking. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Redtailed Hawking. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's the next yeah. morph tweet. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that one. Uh, yeah, we got some bird stuff in here on that note. Tobias doesn't like crows and jays because they uh, mob him and bully him out of kills. Uh, he refers, he says they mob and bully, quote, peaceful raptors like me, unquote. <laughs> He also says he has an agreement with Cassie. I don't eat her patience. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. I mean, that's basically, other than the Marco jokes, that's basically about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, they're like the gangsters of the bird world, by the way. Crows, ravens, and jays. All three yeah. of them are the gangsters of the bird world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I wonder if Tobias... It would be racist against Italians if he were a human. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm gonna use that, that Sopranos. It's anti-Italian discrimination meme, but like with a, a blue jay or something. Oh, these fucking ravens over here. <laughs> yeah, that was good. You did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess we can move on because now they can go. They can go talk to this Harkbajir and see what he wants to do. So they they go back to the cave. Um, you know everybody's sort of Tobias and Axe go up to talk to this Harkbajir. Everybody else is like either flying cover or in battle morphs ready just in case he's gonna make trouble. Uh, Harkbajir comes out of the cave and he tells them his name is Jerahami. Um, which Jake immediately is like, wait, did he say his name is Jeremy? Haha. <laughs> but uh, so there's a lot of tension between Axe and Jera because Jera's like, oh, Andalite kill Hork Bajir. Hork Bajir kill Andalite. Um, and and uh, Jera kind of talks like um, the Hulk or maybe like a racist depiction of a foreigner. Uh, like Hork Bajir, a little bit too stupid to use all the words, you know, uh, in a sentence. Um. Axe asks him how we know he's not being controlled by a yerk, uh, or has his own head, as Jarrah says. And uh, Jarrahmi cuts open his own head and shows them his brain. Um, and everyone is like, what the fuck? Um, but I guess there's no yerk in there, which leads me to my earlier question. What would it look like if there was a yerk in there? Huh. Yeah. 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 So they talk they talk to Jeremy here. Um and what Jeremy wants to do basically here. Oh, why don't I have that written down? What Jeremy wants says he wants to do is he wants to go rescue his Kalashi. That's what he wants. Yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> uh I just want to say this. Uh-huh. Jerahami Jason McCall. Mm. Right. Yes. Okay. Now that has been said. Good. Good job. <laughs> uh, I did, as you said, I did kind of wonder, uh, is this book racist against hork <laughs> No, hork are just like this. They seem, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, <laughs> if these were humans, it wouldn't be a good look. <laughs> but It's true. It's true. Uh and you could definitely make some arguments about Hork Bajir falling into some kind of like noble savage trope. Um, mm. It's hard for me to because I personally love them so much, but <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something there. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am uh, 4% Cherokee, so <laughs> I'm qualified to say it's. I think it's fine. Okay. Yeah. You're about as Cherokee as Elizabeth Warren, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So That, that was the- topical eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like dating our podcast. I think it's funny. <laughs> I'm going to just talk about very specific current events. Uh, now, I, this whole scene, I was a little confused about languages and what languages everyone speaks and Hork-Bajir mm-hmm. speak English and understand English because Yerks made them learn English or I don't. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I I don't remember where this detail is in the book, but they say like in the original Hork-Bajir language, um, there are only about 500 words. Although Axe says this, so he might just be being racist. Um, He says there's only like 500 (laughs) words in Hork-Bajir language proper. Um, Usually in order to supplement this, Hork-Bajir will speak a mixture of the Hork-Bajir language and Gallard, which is galactic trade standard. Um, okay. I don't think they say Gallard in this book, but I did uh, go discover what that was. So I okay. wasn't just saying standard all the time. Um, but I presumably because they're working on Earth, they taught them some English. So they mostly speak a mix of Hork-Bajir and English on Earth so they can talk to the human controllers. Okay, sure. Makes sense, I guess. So we that's do, what's going on there. One of those 500 words we learn is Hruthen. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Which means Andalite. Hr- yeah. I have to wonder if this is some kind of, like, Hork-Bajir don't pronounce things well. So they they heard Andalite in their head, and they went, oh, Ruthen, uh, the same way that, like, English people are bad at talking. So they called Nippon Japan. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like this. Well, I, I feel like the 500 words thing has to be an exaggeration, because... <laughs> if we're just if we're counting stuff like just the names of other species and how can there be 500 there's got to be more than that <laughs> yeah yeah no like a hundred percent maybe he means like 500 words that are like analogs to words we have you know the the words for their animals don't don't count or something because we don't 500 have 500 hork words hork can say 500 Hork-Bajir words that Hork-Bajir know. Mm-hmm. 500 Hork-Bajir words that Hork-Bajir can say. Yeah, How man. many words can a Hork-Bajir say? How about 500? <laughs> okay, can we clear something up right now? Yeah. That I've just been kind of fudging the line every time we say it and I haven't really been brave enough to ask. Uh-huh. How ex- are you actually supposed to say the J? Is it, do you say a soft or a hard J? I have Hork-Bajir? always said it soft and I don't know why, but like ever since I was a child, it seemed obvious to me that you should say hork but um, I don't know why I always thought that. I don't know why I've always done that. <laughs> it could, I mean, for all I know, it's like Hork Bajor or something. Hork Badger. <laughs> I mean, well, maybe, hopefully in the TV show, we'll maybe see yeah. what they say. But when we get to the TV show, we'll find out. 
But yeah, it seems I, I agree, kind of agree with you. Hork Bajir seems right, but I sort of sometimes I kind of will say Hork Bajir or or like not totally like somewhere in the middle, like a Hork Bajir, like kind of a, a hard soft. <laughs> this is the beautiful thing about books is we can all make up our own way to say it. This isn't like Tolkien where he's got a pronunciation guide at the end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, Jerahami calls Axe a dark hap. Oh, or no, he... no, no. He, he says, you dark hap, you fail. Oh, oh, so dark hap means fail? I guess. <laughs> I thought maybe it could, it could, it could mean like a failure and he's like just not using grammar and he's saying, you are a dark hap. Yeah. You fail. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Or, or it could be like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's something along those lines. We also didn't, I mean, I mean, we probably should spend more time talking about him cutting his own brain open. <laughs> yeah, it was a little fucked up. I don't know. I the, Most of, I thought this was going to take a long time to talk about, mostly because of all these hork words that I, I wanted to make sure we mention all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. It's important. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a really weird fucked up thing that, like if this wasn't a book, that's a that's a that's an R-rated movie right there. You know, <laughs> like yeah. yeah, it's you can get away with so much when it's just words. <laughs> yeah, like they describe his brain being exposed in like the mix of like greenish blue and red blood oozing out of his. It's really gross. <laughs> yeah, it, it it renders Axe and Tobias peeless. Yes. Yeah, uh, Tobias asks, did that scare the pee out of you too, Axeman? Or do Andalites not care about that stuff? And Axe replies, I am as peeless as you, Tobias, my friend. <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, pretty good. I like it. Axe, we also, I like that his na- nickname for him is Axeman. Mm-hmm. Axeman. I mean, maybe not Axe the Man. most creative <laughs> nickname, but. It also is, it's actually a nickname for a nickname, but he's actually made his nickname longer, (laughs) but yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's an, yeah, he likes him. Yeah. It's, it's, he has affection. It's nice. Yeah. So this, this whole thing with the Kalashi, um, this really makes me wonder, uh, like, how did they get into this relationship with, like, Yerks in their head their whole lives? Like, I, I think it says later in this book that when they were small children, they were still free on the hork world. So they could have been, like, the last holdouts of the rebel hork and they were, like, childhood sweethearts or something like that. Oh, I see. Or, like, or did they develop their relationship maybe, like, based solely on their time spent in cages together while they were free during the Candrona feeding? Like, either way, I, I like it as this, like, you know, star-crossed lovers. This is what I would write a fan fiction about, is these <laughs> hork trying to maintain their relationship over years. And then the only point of contact they get is, like, a couple hours every three days. Yeah, are, are we to understand that... Horkbajir are infested with Yerks as soon as they're born. Um, how does that? You know, it's they say that that all the Horkbajir are enslaved, and that you know there aren't like Horkbajir aren't born free anymore. So probably, yeah. And I mean, if you do it early, then they don't get a sense of what freedom is. So 
but but like who's <laughs> whose fucking job as a yerk is you got to spend six years in a fucking baby <laughs> it's like, better than being not in any host yeah it's probably better than being in a ged honestly and then does some other yerk have to like nurse <laughs> this this work with your baby <laughs> I mean, here's the real question. Do do the Yerks infest the Horkbajir while they fuck? <laughs> do they, like, harvest the semen and then, like, do impregnation? Like... <laughs> I mean, that's like still... Like the Chinese male milking farms that Jordan Peterson got mad about on Twitter? Already don't know that reference. That's still less weird. <laughs> You're better off than the Yerks having to play house with each other and like take care of the babies. That's actually just another adult. Like, hey, dude, how was work today? Ah, fuck. I guess you gotta feed me. Uh, can you change my diaper? Like, I don't know how the fuck your work, yeah. work, but. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm you go. How? Meanwhile, how was your day? Well, I got to fuck. <laughs> Yeah, this is there's a lot of weird. I never I really thought about that before. I just I I guess I guess kind of it makes more sense if the Yerks, you know, only enslaved the Horkbajir like a few years ago maybe. And so they primarily just are in adult Horkbajir, but I'll I'll just tell you the time scale. The Horkbajir homeworld fell in the 60s. Oh, so yeah, fucking long time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like these like uh, Jeremy and Ket Halpeck would have been if they were free when they were kids, or I named the other one, Jeremy and his Kalashi, uh, they, if they were free when they were kids, they would have been in like the last rebel holdouts, right? As the Yerks were like, the world has basically fallen and, you know, we're just trying to grab these last bits. Yeah. So that is weird. Cause I definitely reading this got the impression that it, it reads like they were fully grown adults and were like married and had a lasting relationship and then were taken over by Yerks. Yeah. It's, it's possible. We like, we do know that they were, we do know that they were kids who were free. Like it's, it, it is. And it does like, it would make sense that they were in these like rebel bits on the planet. You know, it's maybe there are a couple of free Hork Bajir holdouts, right? Maybe there's like one or two like little areas with like a dozen free Hork Bajir who are just underground or something, like some dystopian future. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I even guess. to this day. I don't know. But, kind of, it kind of feels like she just didn't know <laughs> or she just didn't want you to think about the fact yeah. that that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> well, but unfortunately for her, that's all I thought about this whole book. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I just think it's super romantic how they had to figure out how to keep their relationship going. Yeah, or, they were. Or, or create one from scratch while yes, invested. Stealing glances at each other through Yerk eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they 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 do the thing where oh, if you exert all my willpower, then like once a week, when the Yerk's not noticing, I can twitch my eyeball, so I make it go go make eye contact with with uh, Jera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's that's a whole chapter of my fan fiction. That works. <laughs> I'm excited all to right. read it. Okay. Are we? <laughs> all right. We're ready. Yeah, all right. Uh, well, um, Cassie and Rachel, who are watching 
out for trouble while this whole interaction is happening. Uh, they spot a lot of bad guys just scouring the woods, uh, including a ton of Hork-Bajir, uh, even though it's broad daylight, right? Before we'd only seen humans, the Yurks don't want to bring Hork-Bajir and Taxons out when anybody could see them, but they're, they're bringing them out. There's Hork-Bajir out in the woods in broad daylight. Um, and they decide, okay, well, we can get Rachel to morph Jera, and she can be bait and draw them all, all off, and uh, then he can stay safe in his cave. Um, so they make him turn around and close his eyes so Rachel can uh, acquire him, uh, you know, without finding out she's a human. And, of course, they have to ask him permission first because Cassie's there, you know. Um, the bad guys show up, and Tobias uh, goes to, like, hitch a ride on Rachel's horns. Uh, and they're starting to run while the others start fighting the Yerks. Um, but then Tobias slips off Rachel's horns, and he goes flying. Uh, he goes flying a full quarter mile of a way. Uh, it's more like he teleports a full quarter mile away, uh, way up above the tree- treetops, and he sees a bunch of human controllers aiming guns at a Hork-Bajir. Um, it's too far away from the action to be Jero or Rachel. This must be the other Hork-Bajir, the Kalashi. Um... One of the humans there morphs into Visser 3 and uh, reveals by bragging like a supervillain that this is Ket Halpak, who this is Jerus Kalashi, Ket Halpak. And he's like, ha ha, you silly Ket Halpak, you thought you could escape us and be free, but now I've got you. Um, so Tobias is like, okay, I can't attack Visser 3 alone, I'm going to need a, a distraction. But he knows a, a Swainson's hawk in the area. Uh, so I love he calls out. Yeah, he, he makes a, a hawk call, like, Tzir! or whatever, like he's going to attack sure. the Swainson's hawk territory, and then he dives in at Visser 3, and fortunately the Swainson's hawk comes out, and Visser 3 is like, aha, that bird's an Andalite, and everybody's focused on the real bird, and then Tobias hits Visser 3 in the eyeballs, and uh, and then that's enough time for uh, Ket Halpak to get away. Um and then I guess at this point they get her back to the cave and Rachel gets away and the animals swim, but we don't see any more action after this, right? Tobias gets Visser 3 in the eyes and Ket Halpak runs away and then we sort of cut to, and that's resolved. We did it. <laughs> we did it, folks. We did it. Yeah, big action scene, lots of chasing, uh, fighting, crazy stuff happening. The Tobias fighting Visser 3, long and short of it is, they uh, they kept Jera safe, and they also got Ket safe. You didn't even get into the the show of dominance ritual or whatever. Oh yeah, no, I skipped it. Yeah, there's the show of dominance ritual when Rachel morphs Jera too. Yeah, the two Hork-Bajir start like fucking with each other. To and which to which Tobias goes, hey, everybody, calm down. I I I'm a bird, so I know about bird stuff, and this is like nature. It's like a they're just showing dominance, so just let them get it out of their systems. And I'm yeah. like, you don't, it's the fucking aliens. What the fuck? You have yeah. no idea what the fuck's happening. <laughs> yeah. No, they're like bellowing at each other and like rearing up and like kind of slashing at the air in front of them. It's like uh, Hork Bajir breakdancing. That's what they're doing. <laughs> Except that, you know, like they could easily fucking murder each other. Yeah. But it's fine. This, this doesn't come up again. Like ever, including in the Hork Bajir Chronicles. So this isn't exactly out of character with Hork Bajir, but it doesn't. I don't. I feel this, like this was another thing where she wasn't sure what she was doing. Yeah, I've said it before, it. but that's it's a, such a Klingon thing. I I feel mm. like I feel like Hork Bajir at, at least like they get more differentiated and developed the more we learn about them. But 
it feels like early on there's a lot of Klingon stuff to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, you know. I, that could be a transit. Like that, that's not wrong to think they start off as Klingons and then they end up as these total sweethearts. And she's got this transitional period where she's trying to figure out how much Klingon stuff she wants to keep. Yeah, I mean, especially when when you know it, we know it's no longer true, but when sh- they have war every sixty three years or whatever, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, <laughs> that kind of shit. Uh, now you you mentioned <laughs> so they're gonna they're gonna morph uh, Jera Hami, and of course of course Cassie goes. Mm, hold on, I don't know if this is morally correct to do. Yep, yep, that's how she speaks. Okay, is a sentient being. Mm-hmm. And I like right. imme- immediately Jake goes, you fucking morphed into Rachel, <laughs> you fucking <laughs> hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, so Cassie's a hypocrite. That's shut our the character. fuck up. <laughs> that doesn't mean she doesn't stop trying. <laughs> I was just, you know, I roll, whatever, Cassie. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, she's doing her best. Listen, they well, didn't. I, I love but we you, don't Cassie. really get it. Like, it's just, they're just like, so, Jerry, you, is, oh, it's, is it cool? And Jerry's yeah. like, Jerry and me hate yurks. It's a, it's, it's like, okay, immediately sure. hand waved yeah. away. It's such a yeah. such a brief thing, uh, which I appreciated. If this was a Cassie book, there she would then think about it for eight chapters. But um, <laughs> uh, also, uh, like speaking books. of character <laughs> traits, I I gotta point out this is now Tobias once again uh, is worried about. Uh, you know, Rachel morphing a hork and her being in danger. He is now the third character who has had an arc about worrying about putting others in danger and not himself. It's funny, too, because, like, if anyone deserves that arc, it's Tobias, because he's the guy who can never actually do any of the action. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's the guy who has to fly around while everybody else risks their lives. But for some, but now since he's the third one, now it feels kind of been there, done that. That's um, fair. Uh, I mean, it's not really like his focus in this book, but I just thought it was funny that that seems to be such a recurring theme in in these. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh no! I, um, I do like. There's like a scene in here. I like how the Yurks are actually fairly competent in their chases here. Like Visser 3 is being stupid in the Ket Halpak thing. But like there's a there's a bit where, you know, they're starting to fight the some of the controllers and they start running away and Rachel's like, haha, you know, we hork I'm a hork bajir, I can chase him down and fight him. And Cassie running cover up top is like, Rachel, they're running back toward reinforcements. They're actively luring you in. You need to disengage. Like they're being they have tactics. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's they're 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 pretty good at this stuff at this yeah. point. Anytime the Yurks are competent, I I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think both sides like are doing yeah are are holding their own. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Yeah, um, I have a, a bunch of more notes, but I'm not. I don't really remember if they are part of this scene or the next. But um, uh, you you say what you want to say. <laughs> oh no, I was just going to talk about this this bird, the Swainson's hawk. Sure. Uh, 
Because once again, I have to ask, how does he know what a swank? Does he ask Cassie these names? Because right. like, if he was making these names up, I was thinking he they'd probably all be like fat dumb fucker bird or assholes falcon or something like that like he wouldn't call it a swainson's hawk it, yeah it does seem like when he became a hawk like hawks have just an innate knowledge of the human names of birds yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it is a i mean weird. and and from this bird this bird actually survived somehow even though all the hawk you were like shooting at it i and i gotta say this bird probably it's like a reverse to bias situation. He probably thinks red-tailed hawks are all assholes now. Like this fucking <laughs> red tail comes in, he like calls me out to to fight, and immediately a million things started to. What a piece of shit! <laughs> yeah, well, I think Fuck that red tail Swainson's hog is dead, right? I mean, don't no, it says him. he made it. Oh, Tobias it does? says he got away. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Well, he's gonna have to. That's gonna be the next Tobias book. The confrontation <laughs> with that guy. Looking forward to that. I do like that Tobias can have those. So everybody else will be like, oh, I had a weird thing happen at school today. And then Tobias's chapters are like, oh, this rival bird from the neighboring meadow came in and bullied me. And I had to fight it. It's pretty great. He really has his own thing going on. <laughs> I, I did. It was around this part of the book when I started to question why uh, the cover of this book wasn't Rachel morphing into a hork I yeah. mean, I mean, logistically, you know, we just had a Rachel book and, but it, it feels like, uh, yeah, it just didn't, like, as up, up to this point, Tobias hasn't really done any cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's a Tobias book, so he's and a got to be on the cover. Is there uh, any book where they have a hork morph on the cover? There is. So okay. it's not a total loss the way it was with the skunk. Okay. Okay. So that that's good to know. Uh, also, just I know that it's a thing we've known about in every book, but in this one, because it's part of the plot, I really just couldn't stop thinking about every time they slice up or scratch out the eyes of a horkbajir. Just the fact that there's an innocent horkbajir in there feeling that pain. <laughs> Yeah, no, as you get to know these Horkbajir, it's like, how can you still be, like, you're not, you're going out of your way not to kill the human controllers, even when it would be easier. How can you not be doing this with the Horkbajir now? They really, like, they just go at them. I mean, it's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess they can, they're not as fragile as a human, but still, they fuck them up a lot. <laughs> yeah. They do talk about how they heal fast, like, Jarrah's head is, like, healing from his own self-inflicted right. wound very quickly, but... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, do the, the do the Yorks have Bajir. back to tanks or something? <laughs> or, they should. Yeah, they should. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um. Yeah. All right. I mean, I have another question, but I think I can save it for later. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. So whatever. They're they're everything's good, right? So they got they got uh, they got Ket and Jera saved. Oh. And uh, and Ket Halpak says, uh, "We Falana, we thank you." <laughs> so, yeah. so we know Falana now. Yeah, that's good. That's, we we Falana. Don't, yeah, don't want to move past we Falana. Uh, so they're trying to figure out what to do with these Horkbajir. Um, they need some kind of like protected place to keep them. Um, and Tobias knows about a place. It's a hidden valley way up in the mountains, and it's like super nice. You know trees, lakes, and it's really hard to find and everything. 
Um, so he tells them all about it. Um, except he doesn't know about this place. He he now knows that it exists, and he can visualize it, and he knows it as though he's been there. Uh, but he's never been there before, and he only just now suddenly knew about it. Like it just popped into his head as fully formed knowledge. Um. So all, still, all this weird shit's happening around Tobias here. Um, yeah. So, whatever, they've got the plan. They're going to try to get the hork to the, this valley. Uh, Axe and Tobias are keeping watch that night. Uh, Axe has overheard, or Tobias actually overheard the hork talking about uh, Kawatnaj. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. But Axe doesn't know what Kawatnaj is. Um, and while they're standing there, all of a sudden Tobias knows something else that he can't possibly know. More knowledge just pops into his head, which is that taxons are hunting them right now as they speak. Um, there's taxons in the woods, and they can smell for miles like bloodhounds. So they gotta move now. So, yeah, Axe goes off to get Jake, and Tobias starts leading the hork to safety through the dark. So, whole, you know, introduce some ideas here, but basically just a whole bunch of more what is going on with Tobias here. Yeah, this is the third, at least the third uh, instance in these books in which one of the characters has received some sort of psychic premonition or vision <laughs> that they don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Right. We had we had Cassie and Tobias in when Axe was sending them signals. We had Jake getting monkey flashes. <laughs> and now this. So, yeah, that, that's another uh... motif there. Jake and his tower with the eye, his eye of Sauron. Sure, sure. Yeah, when did that happen? <laughs> Was <laughs> that the, the stranger? Of, uh, the capture, I believe. Oh, why did he? Yeah, when he, when he was done being infested by the Yurk as the Yurk died, he gets the, that vision. Oh, it was like f- from seeing the Yurk's memories and stuff. Yeah, right. at the very end of the Yurk's memories, he he sees the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Yurk just uh, had access to, <laughs> it was just a big Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> I mean, maybe the Yurk was infesting Sauron. Who knows, right? Oh, Maybe that was also a memory. Yeah, that could be. Now, okay, but before, there is one thing that's sort of in between, there, or at the very beginning of this section that I, I felt the need to point out, because yeah. uh, it directly addresses something we talked about in the last book, which was when they, or no, the book before that, sorry, the, the Jake monkey book, which was when they uh, are going to take the spaceship or it happened. Maybe we talked about the last book too. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Everyone, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Just relax when they want to take the spaceship to the white house. And then right. we were, t- we were talking about how, why don't they just put ax on TV Right. And, and and everything like that. And they actually float that idea in, in this book. Yeah. Um, and Axe says that uh, it's not a good idea because just everyone will just think it's fake and no one will believe it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, but nobody said that when they decided they wanted to bring the spaceship to the White House. <laughs> yeah, but, it's hard to call. Uh, it's hard to call. The White House thing is more... Like, it's more of a giant thing and not like a local news alien walks down the street. And I think Cassie also brings up, if we bring him to a reputable newspaper, we don't know which reputable newspapers have, you know, whatever. Controllers. Yeah, we have controllers uh, in charge of them. That, I think, is the more 
important yeah. point to me. Like that, that makes yeah. sense. And there's, cause if they, there's only five of them or six of them, like if they make a mistake and they make yeah. the wrong decision, they're fucked. So yeah. And I, I mean, at least if they land on the white house lawn, everybody's coming out. Yeah. Right. They're, it's not going to be like we brought the one alien we got to one guy and said, run this story. Yeah. But at least I like that they did actually address it. You know, that was, yeah. that was cool. Yeah. And if they're not consistent on their decisions between these things, especially since the, the alien spaceship thing was made as a spur of the moment decision is like, we got to do it right now. Let's try this. Yeah. So. Right. That's true. <laughs> they they yeah. didn't exactly, <laughs> they didn't have that plan in advance. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the part where uh, where Axe says about the five hundred words. Um, mm-hmm. They uh, five hundred. You know, Axe is like pretty upset in here that the that the Horkbajir don't like Andalites because, like, after the Andalites, maybe they didn't manage to save him, but they tried to save him. Right? They were on the Horkbajir homeworld fighting. Right? Yeah. Come and on. Axe they is, like, tried. They yeah. tried after their. It's their fault that this happened in the first place. <laughs> Cut him some slack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and he's, like, very haughty about it. He's like, oh, yeah, we are the greatest, and we'll kill all the Yerks. The Yerks should hate us, and whatever. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how brainwashed Andalite school is. Like, like, do you think that they're actively just like, oh, yeah, Horpage, you're dumb as rocks. Everybody's dumb as rocks. We need to learn <laughs> in alien biology class about how dumb every species that isn't Andalites are. Oh, also make sure you say the Pledge of Allegiance 50 times. <laughs> I was just about to do a, an Andalite version of the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the Andalites. That's all I, that's all I got. The electorate, maybe. Mm, not the council of 13 that's for sure right yeah no they <laughs> and i like uh well i don't <laughs> like the council of 13 that's right and i like morphin baby <laughs> okay now here's now they're, they're trying to find tobias has this great idea this vision for a safe place for these hork which is some magical isolated valley or whatever somewhere in the forest it's like the peaceful valley from the land before time or whatever it's called sure i've got a i've got a pitch here's my idea for a safe place for the hark bajir just Uh thought i'd throw it out there right how about how about with the fucking chi the yeah the chi that have their own underground paradise where no yep. one can ever find them. And they've been living there for decades <laughs> and they've got advanced tech. They could go to the Chi right now and be all like, can you bring these hork out to the middle of the jungle in South America oh. where we used to be? And they could just live there. <laughs> sure. I mean, you, you know, these Chi definitely have invisibility cloaks and shit. You got have a, could have... probably pop a hork on his back and run to South America. <laughs> It would be such a, but it feels like a home run to let, you know, give them a place to live around other people and they could like coexist and yeah, you know, I don't know. This other plan is they just, they live by themselves. Like it seems pretty boring. (laughs) Maybe dogs don't like Hork Bajir. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we can't keep them here. (laughs) They'd be barking at them all the time, trying to gnaw on their talons or something. That's my poodles. Anyway, that was just a thought. It's a good thought. It is one of the issues when you introduce something like the chi, you start asking, why don't they just... It's like time travel 
Uh, only they can't control their time travel in this series, so you don't ask that question. But you do got to ask, what about the chi? What about the chi? Yeah, you got to you gotta ask. Is this some... Maybe the chi are kind of mad at them still after they uh, ruined the the peaceful nature of their species for all eternity and <laughs> besmirched their name. Well, you know, nobody's nerfed. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's around this time also. I don't know if we, they mention Tobias is talking about how he sleeps in a tree or something, or, or maybe yeah. he's talking about how he's afraid of owls around this time. Yeah. He does a lot of musing about like the day versus night experience of being a hawk, which I think he's done before, but why why doesn't uh, a Cassie could just let him sleep in her barn? Maybe he does sometimes or B. He doesn't want that. <laughs> B. They could build him a fucking house, like just build a little no. tree house for Tobias. <laughs> no, he's a bird and he wants to live like a bird. He wasn't happy eating the food out of Jake's attic. He wants to live in a tree. <laughs> All right. Whatever, Tobias. Fucking nerd. I, I bet that is legitimately if if Cassie was like we could build you a birdhouse, he'd be like, no. Because <laughs> it would be a little demeaning if they just built we had a little house and like squirrels came up and That's fair. Yeah. yeah. So I mean speaking of the nighttime, I like the scene where Axe uh tries to silently sneak up on him and Tobias goes, Hi, Axe, and there's this implication x is like one of these days i'll get you so there's this implication that x sometimes comes and visits tobias at night and he's made like mm. a little game of trying to to sneak up on him. it's a it's a neat little moment yeah tee hee hee they're buds yeah. i like they the marco buds. and tobias and x pairing but it seems like they're more we're more about x and tobias in the in these books they've decided that's the i feel like they're the uh troy and abed <laughs> mm, mm-hmm yeah, I mean, Marco and X are fun for banter, but X and Tobias both have that kind of, like, outsider thing, live in the woods kind of yeah. thing going on. So, like, they, they connect. They have more in common, but I I like, I think it's fun when Marco is, like, a bad influence on, on X and gets him to do shenanigans. Yeah, yeah that's more entertaining. The, but the Tobias and X is for the wholesome stuff. Yeah, I guess so. I yeah. Guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did, so, uh, did we get the taxons yet? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, there's taxons in the woods. We haven't seen any yet, but they're in the woods chasing them, so they're running around. Okay. All right. Trying to get away. All we really know is that they're there, and they can they, they'll they'll chase them forever. They smell like bloodhounds, you know. And yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, we're like almost an hour and a half in. We're we're getting to the end. We're getting to the end. I, I was going to say, actually, do you think it's about time to reveal the gimmick of this book? <laughs> I will say it might be time. And I'll also say that I, it wasn't, it was like right here at this point when I went, is this some motherfucking what I think yeah. it is? Yeah. And then and they, it was it came like a very short. So I, I predicted it, but not until like a few pages in advance. <laughs> That's like literally perfect writing. Like you want the audience to just have that dawning realization right when it's revealed. <laughs> yeah. That's and I, perfect. <laughs> I don't know if I also, if, if, if I had read these in real time, even mm -hmm. a month apart between all these books, I don't know that I would have. It's, I feel like a lot of it is because we've been reading them week to week. It's mm -hmm. the thing, the stuff is more fresh in my head, but 
Yeah. I mean, maybe you would have reread them a million times because you'd have been a kid, but. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tobias is talking to, to Jarrah and Ket, and they tell him that a voice popped into their head and told them to run from the Yerk pool. Like, it wasn't their idea. The voice popped in and said, run and be free, and the voice also said that it would send a guide to help them. And Tobias is like, all right, <clears throat> fuck this, you know, stop. We're not going to run. We're going to stay right here and get eaten by these taxons until I get some answers on what's going on. And uh, guess who shows up? Uh, it's the Alamist. <laughs> and he, uh, uh, he's like, hey, Tobias, it's me. Miss me. And Tobias is like, no. <laughs> um, Tobias is transported to the Alamist dimension or something. <laughs> it's like, you know, whatever, 11-dimensional space. It's all turquoise, and he can, like, see himself from, like, above and below and all these different angles and, like, the inside out and through himself and whatever. And he also can see that he is both simultaneously a hawk and a boy. So he's got, like, feathers and hands and a beak and a mouth and all this stuff. Um, and the <laughs> Elemis shows up as a giant conglomeration of different birds, uh to talk to him and Tobias is like uh Tobias is pissed off that he's being used so he's like all right you know you want me to help out these uh these hork so you can say you don't interfere or whatever like fine fine but I want to be paid for my services and um and the Elemist is like okay what do you want Tobias and Tobias says you know what I want and uh the Elemist in true Elemist fashion says and I quote <clears throat> Yes, but do you know what you want, Tobias? And if you get it, will you still know? <laughs> He's great. I love what a jackass he is. He's good. Fuck this fucking guy. <laughs> it's the Elemist. That's it's really an Elemist book. My main yeah, it is it's an Elemist book. <laughs> And they also remember they did uh, name drop the Elemist in the last book. So yeah, yeah, this is when when you were saying like, oh yeah, they pulled up the Elemist last time. I was like, that I I think it's because they want to make sure you didn't forget because he's going to be here next book. Yeah, so pretty good, yeah. good play. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's exciting to have the Elemist back. <laughs> it sure I'll, is. But you know, but my main I, it, so. <laughs> Here's my the notes I took in this section. Uh, first one was, is this some fucking Elemist shit? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Next note, is this book racist against Horkbajir? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Next note, fuck this Elemist motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my, that's pretty much sums up my <laughs> feelings on this entire scene. That's just... This was just uh, this fucking guy with his fucking bullshit. I love him. Yeah, I love him, so... but he's such a fucking dick. He has so many good things. Like where Tobias is like, "What? Why are you making me do things I don't want to do?" And he says, "What have I made you do?" <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. Or like uh, he's, he's, he's like he showed up as a bird because that's a form Tobias would identify with. And Tobias says he's a human, and the Elma says, "Really? You sure? You don't look." human to me <laughs> now, uh, my my great. reading of this was that you know you said he's like both bird and human i didn't yeah. think he was like literally uh like a morphed combo but it no. was, it, it's some kind of weird 
thing where he's like existing in two forms simultaneously. Yeah. 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 Like he says that there's no good way to like physically describe what it was. It's like, I feel like I, I don't know how to articulate it, but almost the way sort of like Jake in the, in the monkey book, how he could sort of perceive himself in two places at once. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, I feel like it's that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds right to me from my imagining of it. They also do name drop the chi in this book, by the way. So, oh, where did they do that? I don't even remember. Uh, Tobias, uh, when he's in the Elemis dimension, he's talking about all the crazy shit they've seen, and he says, "I've seen Andalites and met the chi, the androids in human form." Mm. So they, it's you know. It's not like yeah. it's not like you even have to remember stuff to think why not ask the chief for help. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, yeah. and oh, and also, again, important. I don't know. We keep. I don't know if this is really important, but I feel like mm-hmm. it keeps coming up, and I'm not 100 percent sure about it. But the Elemist does say he he's the Elemist, or quote, or at least an Elemist. Yeah. 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 And. um I mean, one of the problems with this is that I have to take the Elemist Chronicles as the last word on what he means. Just a hundred (laughs) percent. Like, there's no way around that. So I have to interpret this in in that context. It's it's quite possible that she didn't quite know what Elemists were when she wrote this. So she was like, there might be a lot of them. There might not. I don't know. But I have this, to inter- yeah yeah no yeah up until this point of these books it seems like pretty I, don't know, I guess I shouldn't say clear because nothing's really clear about the elemist but there have been multiple hints that there's an entire race of elemists yes yeah that that seems to be a thing that she's thinking of them in terms of right here like I said I have to an- interpret it as the line between one elemist and multiple elemist elemists is blurred because that makes sense in the in the terms of the elemist chronicles this idea that like is this the same incarnation of of elemist are like what like what's the difference between one elemist and many elemists it's not it's not something that is easily defined in terms of the way we think about one versus many identities that's how i have to think of it but um but yeah, it, at this point, it is there is still an implication that there might be that there are a lot of other elemists, though what they might be like is unknown. <laughs> yeah. So th- so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> a couple other imp- I feel uh, important notes in this scene. Uh, well, Tobias says bull, which I think has happened before, but still. Yeah. You know. He says that when the Elemist says he doesn't interfere with other species. And and yes, and it's appropriate <laughs> to yeah, respond it is that appropriate. way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Elemist also calls Tobias a point on which an entire timeline may turn. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty mysterious. And I guess, I mean, it's obvious, but we can come out and say that the thing Tobias wants is to be a human again. <laughs> he doesn't actually say it, but. Yeah, he does not actually say it. Or or uh, it's to nor... fuck Rachel, I don't know. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, nor does the Elemist uh, actually confirm that he's going to do it. Like, it's, he, like, it's all kind of up in the air. Like, it, Tobias is going to take it as the Elemist said he would give me what he, what I wanted. 
but like all of that is very it's not quite <laughs> and and again and they 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 make a point of this later when when things aren't explicitly defined with the alamist you should kind of be running under the assumption that he might just fuck you over yeah he he gives me strong genie vibes like evil genie mm. or monkey's mm. paw kind of thing yeah i i he's almost like the opposite to me he's benevolent but not in a good way. Yeah, I guess not. Maybe evil is too strong, but like a trickster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he he wants to do good, but what you think about as important isn't important to him. So like, if he can do some good in the world, and in exchange he um you have to die, then he will happily lie to you about that fact and just be like, oh yeah, it's fine, just do it, it's good. <laughs> this fucking guy. Yeah, he certainly is more than happy to to lie or at least uh, make it appear that he's saying something that he's not. Yeah, yeah. What a piece yep. of shit. I love I love every time the Elemist shows up. Elemist is great. We all, we also I mean I do, I mean I love that he I love that he exists. Uh, there's also a skunk <laughs> cameo. So. Yes, there is a skunk cameo coming up here, and I was I was kind of wondering if uh, you got a little bit terrified that maybe the rest <laughs> of the book was going to be about skunks from this point forward. Are they gonna? Is the Elemist gonna ask for grape juice or something? That <laughs> Tobias, I need you to become a skunk. You need to be trapped as a skunk from now on, and not a hawk. So. I did. I made a new post-it note uh, for, on my monitor, and I wrote "unimportant skunk." Okay, good. You can take that one down. It's unimportant. <laughs> well, I'm keeping it up so I know that it's unimportant. Okay. Maybe it'll become important. Maybe they'll... We'll just assume yeah. every skunk we see is the same skunk. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's... This is one of the kits. It grew up. Mmm. Which one it's, do you uh, think it is? It must be Joey. Was that one of them? I don't remember. The, the Ramones, no, the, right? Yeah, it was the Ramones. Isn't yeah, Joey a Ramone? friends with the Dolphins. I don't remember the Ramones' names. Isn't Joey Ramone, like, the famous one? Is he? <laughs> I, I guess, I, sure. Thought that was you can see how in tune with that I am. <laughs> What's a fucking Ramones song? I can't even think of one. That's I'm not... Clearly, I'm not the biggest classic rock head. <laughs> uh, well... Whatever that they they see a skunk because I want to be sedated. Okay, that's that's yep, the... yep, yep. They also did uh, that Pet Cemetery song. Oh yeah, and Blitz. It's Creek on my Pop. Halloween playlist, so I hear it more than any of their <laughs> others. <laughs> Why did I think I get them confused? I think with the Clash. Oh, that's should I stay mm. or should I go now? Yes. Yeah, that's not them. Anyway, yeah, there's a Joey. All right, continue. Yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, Tobias has gotten his thing. Elmist is going to give him, quote, what he really wants, unquote, which is to be human. Uh, and so Tobias uh, pops back in and he's like, all right. So he spends all night guiding Jera and Ket through the forest to make sure the taxons can't catch up. Uh, this is uh, at this point is when they run into the skunk, um, which is very important. Uh, in the morning, they stop to eat and it is revealed that hork eat tree bark which is why they have blades on their limbs um they don't have any natural predators they don't hunt prey they use their blades to strip bark off of trees so that they can eat tree bark um tobias feels kind of embarrassed about killing animals in front of the hork so he flies off to get his own food and he gets attacked by a bobcat and he almost dies right then and there Right, there's a scene where in the middle of all this stuff with the taxons and whatever, he has to face down a bobcat and he, he almost dies. Um, 
he's like using a weapon, a pointed stick to get away uh, when a taxon pops up and eats the bobcat in a single bite. And uh, Tobias looks around and he just sees absolute swarms of taxons still crawling around in broad daylight where anybody could see him. So even though they made it through the night, they're still not safe. Uh, so yeah, so we get to find out about hork eating. <laughs> yeah, this is huge. Yeah, it is huge. This is the important part here. I mean, this was, uh, since we first introduced hork I'm pretty sure I've, I'm on the record on the podcast saying, if these motherfuckers are so peaceful, why are they covered in blades? Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> Makes is why. no sense. Now, I, so this is why. So, you know, this is a little moment of, oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like yeah. that this is also kind of like finding out how Andalites eat. This is like a reveal of <laughs> how every species eats. It's important. Yeah. Now, does this mean that the Yurks have to have trees for the hork to eat too? Yeah, I was wondering if there are any, like, Yerk-owned, like, Christmas tree farms or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you would think they would be, head- I guess that's why they have a forest headquarters right here, apparently, mm-hmm. or something, but. I mean, legitimately, you know, they probably do have to, like, they've got to get their guys in the news stations and in the police and maybe into the hospitals. And then they've also got to, got to get them into the tree farming people, the paper yeah. plant guys or whatever. <laughs> Now, I still don't know that it makes sense for them to also have the blades, like, on their legs and shit. (laughs) It's, that's for down low. (laughs) Cat says. They can't, they can't bend over and use an arm blade. (laughs) No, 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 no. Also, Cat says, for down by bottom or something like that, of tree. I guess they are, this is... You know, they're aliens, you can do whatever you want, but it's sort of the equivalent of being like, well, humans eat meat, so why didn't we evolve to have sharp blades to kill animals <laughs> or something? Like, It's sort of, whatever, evolution works differently in different planets, I don't know, but... Right, right. You know, we you did know. evolve, like our teeth to be specialized for everything are like super yeah. omnivore teeth, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 We, yeah. It's, it's stuff like that happens. You I see, guess. You can kind of tell. Yeah. Yeah. It, it happens, you know, now there is a great scene, um, with, uh, where, where they're eating this pine tree bark. And, uh, Jera says, <clears throat> when Jera small, Jera eat from the canver, <laughs> eat from the loo hack, eat from the tall fit fit. <laughs> and uh, and Tobias asks if those are all trees like ours, and and Ket and Jarrah both say better. Um, but then they they get a little bit embarrassed. They feel like maybe they were being rude. So they go, Earth tree good, Earth tree good. <laughs> I don't want to insult you know the pine tree. You just yeah, I know it's not as good as the Fit Fit, but <laughs> or the Lou Hack. <laughs> yeah, that is a great scene. <laughs> it's very good. Earth tree good. Earth tree good. Earth tree good. Earth tree good. Yeah, earth tree good. Earth tree, yeah. earth tree so good. Honey, earth tree good. Earth tree good. Yeah. I, I don't even I don't even think about the canver. <laughs> Mom, can I get canver? We have canver at home. <laughs> that's the next that's another tweet. <laughs> so stupid. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Good Hork-Bajir <laughs> stuff. I mean, we're learning a lot about Hork-Bajir this book. That's a big. That's a big thing. Yeah, 
I love Hork-Bajir, so I love when we learn about Hork-Bajir. Uh, <laughs> it's great. Uh, we we get a little bit more discussion on Hork-Bajir and Andalites, too. Um, when he's talking about how they have no prey and predators, they're nonviolent, Jarrah says, uh, Hork-Bajir not kill, Yerk kill. Yerk kill Andalite, Andalite kill Yerk. Hork-Bajir die. Uh, so it seems like there's a little bit more depth here. Like, they, they resent Axe and Andalites... You know, they don't really see the Andalites as helping them. They see that it's more like they're caught in the middle of these two great powers, right? The Andalites are fighting the Yurks. They've got this great galactic battle. The Hork-Bajir just want to sit and eat their trees, and they're all dying. So, like, Axe is like, we're trying to save you, but the Hork-Bajir are like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Let me eat my tree in peace. <laughs> yeah, and the Andalites are dicks. I don't really... They know. are kind of dicks. <laughs> I have no sympathy for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's unfortunate because, well, we'll talk about it, but we're going to have to, you're going to have to have sympathy for Andalites pretty soon. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. The we'll only see. thing, I'll tell you who I don't have any fucking sympathy for, unlike some people on this podcast, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the goddamn Taxons, and mm-hmm. I will never forgive them for killing this poor, innocent bobcat. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a lot of sympathy for taxons. Yeah, I know. You love fucking evil, soulless monster worms that that It's love, only a couple love it's to not hate. long now. A couple more episodes and we will talk about my my uh sympathy for taxons. Whatever. We're you close. fucking <laughs> weird fuck. Okay. <laughs> and then and then you can call me out on my explicit beliefs about taxons and not just the fact that I've said that. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, this is going to come up through the rest of the book, but it's worth noting here that uh, the Yerks do not give a shit at this point, right? Like, there is a very real worry, it seems, that if these two hork start rebelling, uh, the other hork might start rebelling. Like, if they don't, if they let these two hork get away, right, who knows? They might lose control. So it's like, we are gonna catch them, even if it means literally revealing our presence to the world, even if it means literally fucking up the Earth invasion, like, we are not gonna give any hork any reason to start trying to run away. So, like, these Taxons are out in broad daylight. These hork are out in broad daylight, and it's not gonna stop. Yeah. So that is, that is worth paying attention to through these sections. I'm paying attention um, to it. Yeah. Anyway, the, uh... You know, the others have flown in at this point, right? It's morning, so so Jake and Marco, and they're, they're all coming in, and Tobias meets up with them. Um, you know, they've been, like, trying to scare people out of the Yerk path so they don't die because anyone randomly in the woods is going to get overrun and eaten by taxons or whatever. Um, you know, Tobias reveals that the Elemist has been doing this, and he promised to give him, you know, what he wants to be human, blah, blah, blah. Um... They got to move fast because the hork are being, you know, trapped in. Uh, and so they decide to reveal their human identities to Jera and Ket to sort of speed up the process. Um, so now Jera and Ket can never be recaptured, right? They did Like, that is the consequence of this. They, they have to either escape or die because if they get captured, the Animorphs will be found out too. Um, they, uh, as an aside, they think it's very funny. They're like, you human folk? Ah, Kira, Kira, whatever. Um, so they all start hiking toward uh, whatever path Tobias thinks is right, which is hopefully the Elemist Valley. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, and Tobias is out scouting and hunting, and he sees choppers coming in, uh, and he's, like, running back toward them, like, get off the road, you know, like in Lord of the Rings, um, and he gets caught in turbulence from a chopper and thrown into a tree and breaks his wing. Yeah. So we get, like, a reveal, and a bunch of more action. <laughs> a lot of action, this book. Yeah, a lot of action. It's got a lot of everything. It's got a lot of everything. Sure does. Uh, there's a yeah so they all meet up and there's a section where uh cassie says something about another force uh manipulating you they're like theorizing about the elemist yeah Uh, and uh and tobias says if it had been anyone but cassie i would have probably said something sarcastic Uh, i could be sarcastic to cassie Yeah, well, so could Marco. He does it all the time. <laughs> yeah, Tobias says it's impossible to be sarcastic to Cassie. <laughs> yeah, well, for him it is. <laughs> okay. He's a little bit nicer than Marco. <laughs> oh, but well, T- Tobias is frequently a dick to the other anamorphs. I feel <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> he often makes remarks that are <laughs> kind of just short and rude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah the, the whole so this whole. Did you say free or dead? That's a whole thing. Uh, yeah, that happens in here. Yeah, but yeah, like the they start chanting "free or dead, free or dead." You know, that's like yeah. A Ra- new... Rachel starts it like Ket Halpak says, like "free or dead" or whatever, and Rachel's like, "Yeah, yeah, free or dead," and they're all chanting it. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty. This is some hardcore shit. Like these are yeah, it's good. This is fucking cold blooded. That the the, the all yeah. this this group of thirteen year olds again is just yeah. Uh, in, within the span of a minute, agrees with each other. So uh, we're gonna have to murder them <laughs> if they get captured, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we gotta yeah. murder them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Axe shows up and he's like pissed off. He's like, "You you guys, <laughs> what are you doing? Like they can't." <laughs> <laughs> I did. And Rachel's is like, no, don't worry, Axe free or dead. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think now, like, they they distinctly make a point to never thought speak to Visser 3 because he might figure out they're human. So, so these Horkmajir are just so stupid that they can't tell they're human through thought speak because they've been doing yeah. that all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, the Horkmajir couldn't figure it out. They didn't know. <laughs> they don't know the difference. They don't know how Andalites talk, so they're just like, they sound smart. <laughs> Big words must be Andalite. <laughs> yeah, they don't know. They, they're not suspicious types. I guess I, I guess fair, even though they have had yurks in their heads for years, so that's, you'd think they might pick up on what humans sound like. But Well, maybe their yurks would, but they, they, they're just like, I don't know. Yeah, I, doesn't that, some of that go both ways, though? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You probably I don't know. Listen, they're, they're, <laughs> they just want eat bark. <laughs> all climb fit fit. All Horkbajir know is eat bark <laughs> and lie. <laughs> That's right. Marco That's even right. even says, "I don't mean to get all CIA about this." <laughs> when they're talking about having to kill them, like it's yeah, it's yeah. fucking hardcore. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it isn't. It is a kind of. I don't know. To to be fair, the Horkbajir do themselves say no free like the free or dead well, phrase comes from Ket. L- luckily, it does. Otherwise, like this is you know if they weren't w- immediately willing to go along with it, you're now in a horrible moral dilemma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but fortunately, it's very simple, and everyone's on the same page here. 
Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. The Hork-Bajir do not want to be recaptured, so it's fine. Yeah. So this raccoon uh, fucks Tobias up a little bit. Yeah, so there's going to be a raccoon coming in now. Because um, Tobias, remember, he he was off with the choppers. And oh, he falls and hurts himself yeah, he before fell and the raccoon. broke his wing. Yeah, he fell and broke his wing because he was caught in the turbulence. So he's lying there with a broken wing, and he sees a raccoon coming. And the raccoon's going to eat him. Um, <laughs> As we've established already, raccoons are monsters who will kill and eat hawks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about Tobias's earlier worries about raccoons coming up the tree at him. But a, a broken wing, a helpless hawk, yeah, a raccoon would absolutely eat that shit. 100%. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, this is the second time in this book where Tobias is about to die to something very, like, normal. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty horrifying scene because the raccoon like grabs him by his broken wing and starts dragging him toward the stream to like pick over him and eat him alive. And Tobias is like trying to scare it off, but it doesn't give a shit. And uh, and he's like screaming because he like he's about to die and there's nothing he can do. Um, and what the hell did I just do? OK, whatever. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, it's not important to the podcast. <laughs> um, I'm worried. But yeah, the the Elemis pops in while he's about to be eaten alive. And the Elemis is like, so Tobias, do you want your reward now? Tobias goes, yes, please. The Elemis is like, okay, done. <laughs> and uh, and Tobias is like, what what the fuck? I'm still a bird. And the Elemis is like, well, yeah, of course you're still a bird. <laughs> um, because it turns out that what the Elemis has done is he's given Tobias back his ability to morph because... Uh, that's, quote, what he really wanted, unquote, um, but he didn't make him human again. Uh, so Tobias is raging. He's pissed off, um, but he's got to act faster. Faster, He's going to get eaten alive. So he acquires the raccoon and he starts morphing into it. And the real raccoon's like, oh, uh, fuck that. I'm out and, and leaves. Uh, and then he has to turn back to a hawk to fly to his friends because the raccoon morph sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I 100% thought that what was going to happen was the Elemist was going to say, hey, I can, I, I, I'll give you your reward now, which, but it's going to be, if you want it now, it's just to save your life from the raccoon. And since mm. that was your reward, then I, that's, you only get one reward for this, so Mm. Either either take this or you can like try to fight the raccoon yourself and maybe die and I'll give you the the human thing later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Elmus is a little bit trickier than that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, he's got a plan. He had a plan for this the whole time. He's got ideas. <laughs> he's got ideas. This Elmus guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, nobody is happy about his ideas. <laughs> and it was also immediately before this, by the way, I was thinking, man, you know what's uh, cool about Tobias is when, like, everyone else, when they get injured, you know, they can just morph back. So it's like NBD. But with mm -hmm. Tobias, the danger is a lot more immediate. And, and you have to really consider that a broken wing could put him out of commission for weeks. <laughs> and yeah. then immediately they're like, nah, he can morph. Yeah. It is funny that the morphing, the only thing the morphing does from is heal his wing. Like the, this raccoon morph sucks. It does not, he can't get back to his friends. He can't do anything as a raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, so basically he just got the ability to heal his wing. He's already in the perfect body. 
<laughs> yeah, still pretty good. Though. I mean, you know, this is a thing. We'll talk about it, but mm-hmm. this is a pretty big thing. It's and it's yeah, uh, it's uh, it's good for a number of reasons. Not the least of which is that now Tobias can actually do shit and come on missions, and Kay Applegate doesn't have to come up with write a sad paragraph every every book of him going i yeah. wish i could help guys <laughs> yeah i, I feel bad because i wasn't there yeah uh i we did kind of miss out because now he can heal i was thinking this would be a great like b plot in a book is if if tobias broke his wing and he had to spend a week in cassie's barn Right. Oh man, <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? Because then he could get all snippy about the other animals there, and like Cassie's dad could come in, and Tobias would be like <laughs> thinking about what he did, but he couldn't talk to him. And now that's the Cassie book I want to read. Yeah, give me the yeah. Cassie Tobias book. <laughs> yeah, but now he can just heal himself, so he can't be in Cassie. Yeah. Should we talk about the logistics of? I guess we can get into it more later because more stuff will come up in terms of like how this morphing works and everything, but sure. Uh, if you think it's know. better later, we can do it later. No problem. Might as well, I guess just wait until we have the entire picture cleared up for us. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause we're getting pretty close to the end here. Um, although like you said earlier, it's not nearly as like, and then they fight and then it's over it. There's all, it's like kind of drawn out and there's an actual conclusion it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Tobias, he flies back to them. He sees the Yerks are, they've, they've you know, they've got their uh, taxons and hork coming at him from one side. They've overflown them with the helicopters and they're setting forest fires with their Dracon beams on the other side. So they're trapping them all in. Um, and uh, so so they're all caught in with this, this fire. Um, they reconvene. And they decide that since the Yerks are not going to stop until Jera and Ket are dead, um, they're going to have to fake their deaths. Uh, Rachel already morphed Jera, and so Jake's like, I can morph Ket. And Tobias is like, not this time. This time, I'll do it. Uh, and everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, anyway. So that gets revealed to them that he can morph now. It's a fun little scene. Um, Tobias, as Rachel and Jera and Ket, uh, they make a run for a nearby ravine. They have to, like... There's some scenes where they have to, like, dodge their way around guys with Jake spotting them from above. Um, they have to fight their way through some enemy hork but they get to this ravine. Um, when they get there, uh, Visser 3 is there, and, uh, you know, they're like, Jera, Hemi, and Ket, Halpak, free! And they jump off the ravine. Um, and Marco is waiting on the side of the cliff. He catches them out of the air as a gorilla, uh, and... Um, Meanwhile, the real Jera and Ket pretend to be dead at the bottom of the ravine, and Cassie and Axe have morphed Wolf, and they start, you know, pretending to eat them. By which I mean actually ripping chunks of meat out of them and eating it, but they, you know. So Visser 3 is tricked, and he gloats, you know, this is the fate of all hork who would defy the Yerks, and the Yerks all go home. And so they're safe. They've done it. Wait, they actually rip flesh off of them? Yeah, they like they like bite pieces out of them. <laughs> are you sh- really <laughs> i'm pretty sure they did they're like pretending to eat them they say like well fortunately the hork bajur are tough just seems like uh you know hard to play dead when you're being literally physically ripped apart jeremy cut his own head open and showed his brain to people <laughs> well it's uh, in the way it's written it says pretended to begin devouring them 
And then it does mm. say, fortunately, Hork-Bajir can stand a lot of pain and they heal quickly. Yeah, that's why, that's what I was thinking yeah, they were eating them. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little weird because it does, so I don't know how far they really go. Like, maybe they're just yeah. biting them. It says, a pair of hungry wolves were already tearing at their dead flesh. Yeah, I guess so. So they're not pretending to begin devouring them. They're fucking devouring them. They're beginning to devour them, yeah. <laughs> Devoured. Okay. So this is a rare instance in an Animorphs book where we don't know the plan ahead of time, right? They, yeah. They, like, this is a surprise to us What how this is going to go. Yeah, usually there's like a scene where they'll talk about the plan and then they'll do it. But here, here Tobias is just like, well, wait a second, we need a plan. And Jake's like, oh, yeah, I'm on the same page. So that that's fun. And that definitely adds to the, I mean, it's a better plan than they usually come up with. So it's surprising they were able to think of it this quickly or yeah, <laughs> I don't know when they talked about this. Or yeah, even Tobias doesn't tell us, which is kind of weird since we're in his head, but Whatever, yeah. dr- dramatically or, you know, in terms of storytelling, it, it's it's more interesting mm-hmm. to be surprised. It's always fun to have, like, a fake our own deaths to escape the death trap kind of plan. I like yeah, those. Yeah, it is a little, you know, I assumed that, that he was going to f- jump off and then morph into a hawk and fly away when they couldn't see. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how... <laughs> Good Rachel might not have had time right. to do that, though, and they need two of them to do Th- it. That is true, but how how confident were they in Marco <laughs> being able to catch them, at, put his arm out at the right time, and catch them a hork in midair, hold them up fully, and not get his hand mauled by one of their blades or something? <laughs> like, it seems I like do- a... I do believe Jake says, like, don't worry, Marco, it's as easy as catching a pass blindfolded. You'll do fine. And I remember yeah. thinking, that sounds really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says that it's easy for the mighty Marco or something. Oh, yeah, easy for the mighty Marco, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a real a lot of things had to really go right for this plan to work out. And in a short span of time, like, what if what if Visitor 3 had been looking over the edge a little earlier? <laughs> yeah. I'm not entirely sure how they got the hork there either like i know how the animorphs got through the encirclement to get themselves down there but somehow i guess while all eyes were on on tobias and and rachel they were able to sneak jara and ket through i think i because i think i went back and reread it because and i i think there was a part where they said they went down there or something yeah, but I don't. Remember. But like in theory, in theory, they shouldn't have been able to get them down there because they were encircled. I don't know. I don't know. They I did also it. Thought they should have jumped at the same time. Like, why did Rachel jump early? Uh, they needed to. They they do say they needed to because Marco could only catch one of them at a time. Oh, right. <laughs> so they were just like, <laughs> it might be better, but we can't do that. <laughs> if only two of them had gorilla morphs, but alas. <laughs> yeah. All well, right. to be fair, they needed two wolves at the bottom to eat. They needed Jake right. to fly cover. They needed oh, two guys. Yeah. yeah. Now, I also did kind of think, okay, I understand Tobias is excited. <laughs> he wants to morph and be part of the group. He also did need a bird. 
in yeah. this scene. It kind of, and Jake is explicitly struggling because he's not used to playing lookout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Jake is nice about it. Like he's like, I'll be running air cover, you know, which is Tobias's old job. Hope I do as good a job as you always did, <laughs> Tobias. But then he really doesn't. He's like, oh fuck, I don't know how to do this. Yeah, this Christ. is not the time to be playing around with your team lineup. Like just yeah. yeah, no, he's doing all this stuff that's just like, uh yeah, go left. Oh no, that's my left. Go your right. Oh fuck! Uh, go to that pile of boulders. What pile? Oh, it probably it looks like a pile of boulders from up here. From your perspective, it looks like something else. I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let Tobias do this job. Like, and just yeah, Jake should be the orc Bajir, But other than we yeah. wouldn't get to have Tobias do a morph. So yeah, and and it's ni- it's kind of fun to have Tobias and Rachel. Uh, you know, play as the star-crossed couple. Oh yeah, that's you true. know, there's there's like kind of a sweet aspect to it. In a yeah, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it also would have been sweet to have it be between Jake and Rachel, but. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things in the, this plan that I feel like if you analyze them <laughs> closely in any regard, maybe don't quite seem plausible, but it just in the moment, it's a good scene. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's fun. Um. But yeah, so so all that's left now is to wrap up the plot points. And like we were saying, normally this would be a one-page chapter, maybe a two-page chapter, but it's three chapters here. There's a couple of things we got to wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, the hork Uh They bring Ket and Jera to the Elamist Valley, um, you know, which we said before, it's the, you know, the Garden of Eden, the valley from the land before time. It's like there's all these different kinds of trees. There's a lake that's super hidden. So the only path in is like this... A crevice through some rocks, uh, which they describe as like like an old bandit hideout. They uh, haven't from invented the air, Google Maps yet, so yeah, it's not from up. the air. It looks like it doesn't look like a valley from the air. They say it looks like just some dense trees. Mm, okay, yeah, like you you just it doesn't whatever. Uh, they actually question whether this valley even existed or whether the Elamis uh, made yeah. it. Yeah. Um, uh, Jera and Ket tell them that they're going to have uh, Kawatnaj here, which Kawatnaj means a baby. They're going to have Ket is pregnant. She's going to have a baby. Wait, she is pregnant? I'll let you uh, I think the book. so. <laughs> I thought she was already pregnant because they I... say earlier, you know, they're already talking about Kawatnaj. <laughs> yeah, I, I took that to mean, hey, this is a great place for us to fuck. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Because that was the thing I was going to start wondering about is when did they have time to fuck? (laughs) Yeah, I don't. They definitely don't explicitly say she's pregnant already. Yeah, no, they don't. They say this is a good place for Kawatnaj. But I just assumed because way at the beginning or in the middle, like a while ago, they were talking about Kawatnaj. They did mention it earlier. That's Maybe they were just saying, well, now that we're free, we could have Kawatnaj. I fully, at first, I mean, they do say it means small hork but I definitely thought Kawatnaj just meant sex. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Good place for Kawatnaj. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good place. Maybe it does. Maybe Horkbizier only it has might. sex for procreative purposes. Because they, when asked what it means, they they laugh and they say Kawatnaj, small Horkbizier. So like it, they could be leaving out verbs in there. Like Kawatnaj mm. makes a small Horkbizier. Mm, mm. Oh yeah, I like this. I like this a lot. This is way better than my reading. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, 
But yeah, this I mean, this would be the first free Hork-Bajir baby in many years, Axe says. So that that's cool. Wow. That's nice. We got a restart. Um, so that wraps up the Hork-Bajir there. Uh, but now Tobias is feeling sorry for himself in his meadow. He goes to sleep for the night and he finds himself in his old room uh, with his old self. It, it's like it's a dream, but it's it doesn't seem like it is. And his old self wakes up to find him there. Uh, and he sees on a calendar, it's the day before he went to the construction site. Um, he's got this feeling of familiarity, like he remembers having had the dream. Uh, and he acquires his old human self and puts him in a trance so he falls back to sleep. So now he can morph his old human self again. And if he wants to, he could stay in human morph and be human forever. But he could never be a bird again. So he's got this choice now. Um, but at any rate, in the last... Uh, chapter Tobias shows up at Rachel's Packard Foundation Outstanding Student Ceremony as a human and surprises her. That's a fun little teen drama scene. And that's the book. <laughs> yeah, so he basically lets him go back in time? Yeah, he like pops him back in time to a thing that he thought was a dream before right. and lets him acquire himself. So this, chronologically, this happened before the Andalites crashed. Yeah, this happened literally the night before the first scene right. in book one. Right, because Tobias tells himself to go to the the junkyard, the construction site, I mean. Yeah, which is very funny that we, now the element the Elemist isn't just doing this Tobias thing. He's also creating time loops where <laughs> Tobias has now told himself because Tobias went there, he can now tell himself to go there. Uh, and and the Elemist is somehow, and it's clearly the Elemist sets this up. Yeah, yeah, he's responsible <laughs> for all of it, really. In a yeah, way, he's he's doing all of it. It's a, he's, it's kind of Futurama esque, you know, with the. Yeah. When he like goes back in time to that first episode and Yes. There's there's other examples of this, I'm sure, where I mean any time travel movie basically does this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean the only difference here is that it's intentionally being done by a bullshit trickster god who likes to break rules but then pretend he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have, like you said, he could now he has to worry about the morphing limit again when he's not a hawk. Yeah, Hawk is default, but he could theoretically get stuck as a human. Mm -hmm. And but meanwhile, whenever he's he's not aging still as a human. Yeah, this is an interesting point when they're when later in the series, when they're all 16, is he still 13? Because that's a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit. It's it's strange. <laughs> yeah there's some strange things going on going on there but you know again it's still it, it's kind of a relief that he can morph now i think i feel mm -hmm. like at this point in the series i feel like it was necessary for tobias to still to be more of a part of the team and get to actually do stuff yeah yeah but still with and, a little wrinkle to it yeah and it's it's fun because the Elemist is very pleased with himself uh, because he has, in, in, in the most true sense, he has kept his word, right? Uh, he has given Tobias what he wants, which is the choice to either morph or be human. He can't have both, right? But he can have whichever one he wants. 
right? Which is what he promised him, you see. Uh, <laughs> and there's like a whole thing where he's like, have I kept my promise, Tobias? And, uh, and Tobias is like, no. yeah. And he's like, and are you happy? <laughs> no. Which we don't get an answer to Tobias being happy. Yeah, that no. just breaks the chapter when he asks, are you happy? Tobias is like, I've never been happy. No. That's right. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He didn't. No, no. Fuck. This is fucking bullshit. It's not. Yeah. Listen, again, the Elemist loves technically obeying the exact letter of whatever law has been put on him, which we don't know most of them, but completely breaking them in spirit. And that's what he's doing here. You know? Yeah. If you say he promised to make Tobias human again, then yeah, he broke that 100%. But that's not quite what the rule was. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, we also find out the difference between male and female Hork-Bajir. Yes, we do. It's a great scene. <laughs> yeah, males have you got three the horn blades. Yeah. Jerahami and Ket Halpak, Halpak different. Jerahami have three here. Ket have two, preferring to their horn blades. And Marcus says, yeah. that's the only difference? Other difference, too. But only for hork to know. <laughs> it says she says it primly, too. Primly, yeah, that's a pretty good word. Only for hork to know. <laughs> Cut to I, giant hork dick. <laughs> I also like, Jared doesn't know what Marco, like Marco is asking, how do you tell the difference between a male and female hork And Jeremy just does not know what this means. Right, <laughs> Ket has to answer. Ket gets it. Jeremy and Ket Halpak different. <laughs> but Jared doesn't get it. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit dumb. <laughs> well, I just, hork don't have uh, as thorough sure. of a concept of gender as humans do. Sure, sure, sure. They'll they'll learn. Now, <laughs> and and I gotta say this. All right, the final scene. Look, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you when Tobias, mm-hmm. uh, he surprises Rachel at her Hewlett Packard ceremony. Right. <laughs> he says hi, Rachel. That's the last sentence of the book. Uh-huh. I teared up a, a little bit. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it's the whole, it's like some perfect like CW teen drama where Rachel like walks past him and then like does a double take and like eyes wide. I mean, it's I think good. I've said it before, but the Tobias and Rachel to me are very, are very Buffy and Angel. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, that's. A pairing I like. <laughs> I like to ship them. What can I say? They're and... a little less problematic than Buffy and Angel, despite the bestiality. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, depends on your perspective. <laughs> depends on your perspective, but I, you know, I, I like that. There's something about that 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 gets to me, and uh, it was it was nice. And honestly, I was all, almost a little surprised by. I wasn't prepared to confront how much I actually care about these characters and that that would emotionally affect me after, you know, a book full of like <laughs> weird sci-fi bullshit that yeah. it's just like this simple little, Oh, it's nice. yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's good. It's a good ending. Listen, there's the reason why at the end of the day for all the like, Rachel's like good banter with Marco and the weird Jake Rachel lust. I still like I gotta ship Rachel and Tobias. How can you not? Yeah, yeah, agreed. She's definitely shipping Jake and Rachel. 
because of my lust for cousins. <laughs> <All right>. So, <laughs> yeah, your tone there tells me that, that there's truth to that statement. So I don't know. I didn't say anything out loud. So you must have heard some thought speak. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, it's a it's a great book. It's a great it's a great book. Maybe my f- favorite book so far. I don't know. It's up quite there. possibly, quite possibly. I, I could easily see this being my favorite so far. We uh, we'll do our ordered list, but this this may oh, well, well top our, my first thirteen. Um, All right. So yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I did have one more thing from Seropedia yeah. that I forgot about. Oh, uh, so did I. Go ahead. Maybe it's what same thing uh, I was going to say. Well, it said by this point in the series, yeah. uh, K.A. Applegate <laughs> had been asked several times by fans to make Tobias human again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you gotta wonder, was this just to be like, all right, fucking fine. <laughs> here, yeah. here you go. Or I mean, this could be her being ornery too, where it's like, oh, oh, you want him human again? <laughs> oh, I'll make him human again. <laughs> uh, yeah, here's what you get. <laughs> yeah, she she's the Elemist now. <laughs> <laughs> she really is the Elemist of the series. That's her mm-hmm. that's her stand-in character. Yeah. Um now I don't know. That that Seropedia quote doesn't sound very like <laughs> scientifically sourced it just says like yeah. at this point a bunch of people asked her about that like what is who where's maybe that? they pulled this from anabase <laughs> what's that it's like a fan site that she often interacted with they they, uh, they cited a lot of times on seropedia interesting but anyway all right so this is our longest episode yet i'm pretty sure by far <laughs> By far. We did have another email, but I think we're going to save it for next week. Are we? Okay, I guess. I guess that's fair, because we've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Oh, I, I was wondering if you noticed, by the way, before we uh, actually finish, did you notice I spoiled this book at the end of last episode, secretly? I mean, you said Tobias turns into a boy. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I was like, it's good, because you'll think it's just a stupid joke about the cover. But no, he does turn into a boy. At- I mean, I think I did think it was just a joke, but I also did see that cover and kind of go, yeah, I guess he's probably going to turn into a boy. <laughs> mm, okay, okay, okay. Or at least I... I don't. I don't know that. I don't know if I how actively I was considering the possibility, but it definitely was somewhere in my head. Like clearly, it was in reverse. He's turning into a boy. Yeah. But yeah. Well, okay. I just wanted everybody to know that I was feeling very pleased with myself for how clever I was being. And you should, and you were. Put that on the record. Okay. Well, the good news is there's a very short list of pop culture references in this book. Yes, not, not a lot. Ain't no Marco book. This won't take long to get through, and we can get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody asks, you think Romeo and Juliet were doomed? I don't remember the context to, of that. Tobias is musing to himself. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, a lot of Romeo and Juliet stuff. Uh, the Yerk controllers come out on 15 Yamahas and Kawasaki's. Those are these mm-hmm. specific dirt bikes. Yep. Here's kind of a borderline one. I, I wrote down someone's compared something to it, the saying it was like a really bad chess game. <laughs> Does that count as a oh, reference? Okay. Chess is a pop culture, right? It's a game. It's an yeah, invented sure. Game. Why not? Yeah, it's the 90s. So uh, what's its deep It's not trademarked, I guess, but uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, again, someone, this Hork Majeur is not exactly Stephen Hawking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Marco comes up with new words for, quote, that Barney song. <laughs> Which are something about I hate 
you or I... I kill you, you I, kill me, I we're kill an you. alien family. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> uh, as Rachel morphs, Tobias says she's quickly heading towards shack size. <laughs> mm-hmm. The basketball player, not the structure. Um, another, right. there's a second Romeo and Juliet reference for the Hork-Bajir. They again, they they call that place the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. I'm considering those references. Yeah, um, I would too. <clears throat> the good old days when breakfast was a nice, easy bowl of Wheaties. <laughs> I bet Wheaties is Kay Applegate's favorite cereal. Yeah, it's got to be, <laughs> or it's just a good go-to reference for everybody knows about Wheaties. I, I guess sure. Cheerios. Uh, of course, Marco calls the Hork-Bajir two walking Cuisinarts. Mm-hmm. Noah, what was the other one he likes to say? Salad, Salad spinners. Shooters. shooters. Yeah. yeah, we didn't get that. Uh, Marco, I believe, references, quote, that Valdery Valdera song. <laughs> Starts mm-hmm. singing some of, the, some of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he <laughs> specifically calls it the Valdery Valdera Valdery Valdera ha 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 song. <laughs> Sure. And uh, Tobias, as a boy, human boy, has a Star Trek calendar in his room. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that... Uh, did you count... Does it count when he describes Marco's fist as looking like a Virginia baked ham? You know, I I googled that, and I my determination was it does not. Okay. But okay, I, good. I don't believe it's, it's a trademark... But I mean, neither was chess. I don't know. So yeah. it's up to your <laughs> discretion. Yeah. They I suppose. also they also reference thought speak as being like email, which I I'm always putting these in there because the computer stuff from the '90s is funny to me, mm. even though. It... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that's that's the second time they've done that. We said yeah, they needed Twitter really, but yeah, right. I think Virginia yeah. baked ham. I I feel like it's sort of like a it's saying Manhattan clam chowder. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Like it's Yeah, it's it's like a specific food, but it's not like a product. All right. Good. Glad um, that's cleared up. <laughs> okay, now, f- favorite Marco jokes? There's really not a lot in here. There's I, really only two that I have written down as, like, yeah. actual jokes as opposed to just quips. Okay. <clears throat> One of them has to be the, the difference between male and female hork Yeah, yeah. One of them is, for sure. Do you want to do that one, or do you want me to do that one? I don't have it open, so if you have it... Ah, okay. Uh, he says, how exactly do you tell a man hork from a woman hork do the women put makeup on their wrist blades? Do they use nail polish on those big nasty toes of theirs? I mean, do female hork cry at chick movies? Do they get all goo-goo when they see a baby? Do female hork get all weird around bugs and snakes? Uh, at which point Cassie throws a snake on him and he freaks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Marco is funny. That was the, Yeah, it's quite it, good. It really is a good run there. Yeah. And uh, what was your other one? Uh, the other one I had was when he says, uh, I remember when Jake used to be fun. And Jake says, I was never fun. And Marco says, no, you were never smart, but you were always fun. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. There were a few yeah. that I I highlighted and I saw them as we mm-hmm. were going through, but I didn't like bookmark them properly. So uh, mm. I, oh, I did. There was one towards the end where. When they get to the valley, Marco says, you know the rules. In the Garden of Eden, you don't wear clothes. Rachel, you can start. (laughs) Yeah. Good old Marco the sex pest. (laughs) That's right. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a lot of one-liners where, like, they don't stand on their own. 
but mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure how much I wanted to deal with remembering that. But certainly, certainly the yeah, the one you read first was the that was the highlight. <laughs> yeah, that's the highlight. And I, I the fact that Cassie throws a snake on him as a punchline is good. Sometimes you got to be the punchline to make your joke work, and Marco gets it. Yeah. Well, that's the rule. You know, if you say something sexist, you have to get hit. <laughs> and then right. it's okay. As long as that happens, then you're a lovable character. <laughs> right. It's like that old 90s anime trope where the guy would like uh, sexually assault a girl, but then she would punch him and he would go flying off 30 miles away. So it was okay yeah. and it wasn't a problem. Right. Same thing happens when I do that. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, there's another good one is Rachel asks Marco if he's going to wind the whole way. And he says, yes, that's the plan. Wind the whole way. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was a good one. I meant to, I did remember that one, but I forgot to write it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, some good ones, some good ones. Good. I'm glad we got Marco here. We got Marco. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Listen, we'll read an email yeah. next week. If you want to get it in, send it to us at your, the Yerky Boys at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Twitter at the Yerky Boys. You can follow me on Twitter at Quince. Yeah, and you can follow me at Dog Times McGee. Is That's that it. We That's fucking it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's let's end this. Uh, we falana everyone for listening. Tune in next week when we'll be discussing the Andalite Chronicles. Oh wait, wait. Do, do we should don't we just quickly want to mention that we're gonna be doing things a little differently with that one or? Oh, that... we will. Uh, that's right. What I was about to say because we'll be discussing oh, the Andalite Chronicles Part One: Elfangor's Journey. Right. Yeah. We're, we're going to be splitting it into three parts. Right, that's the plan. So if you're going to read ahead, only read part one for next week. Right, that's right. And hopefully it'll be a little bit shorter because there's not as many pages, but I make no promises. (laughs) Me either. Yeah, we can't even get through the outro without delaying. (laughs) Right, so in which something... In in which features? (laughs) An andalite amongst the Derishol trees on the Yerky Boys. In which... <laughs>